Welcome back to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you it's hip to be square. We continue our journey into the wizarding world of Normie podcasts and get the ending spoiled for us while waiting in line at a bookstore. It's the Harry Potter franchise on Normies Like Us. I read something rather odd about a bit of rare magic. I'm in love with her. All right, fine, you're in love with her. Have you ever actually met her? Did you and Ginny do it then? What? Yes, I'm the half-blood prince. Not to mention the pincers. Welcome back, normies. As you heard up top, our journey continues. It's the sixth installment of The Wizarding World as we continue talking. Harry Vember... Potter Sember and Fantastic Januaries to find them. Mike is giving me the thumbs up as we're doing this because I've never nailed it before. Normies, I am so excited. We're getting there. It only took six installments. Um, but we're here. We're talking a good one with your host. This is Professor Slug Colin. <laughs> I'll give I'll give that um, lay down of the episodes and exceeds expectations on your OWL, Colin. <laughs> and that means I guess I'll just stick with... Uh, Professor Mike Gonagall for this one as <laughs> so well. Good. Uh, yeah, the uh, half cob prince here, back again. <laughs> the return of the half cob prince. We are missing Joe, so we are one host down, but we're very happy yeah. to have another special guest with us. You've heard him a thousand times before. Go back and listen to our Sonic episodes. Go back and listen to our Star Wars, Star Wars. celebration from last year as well. Alien. Alien. Ooh, we did just hear about Alien, but we got him. It's Adam. It's me. It's uh, a dumbass, uh, a Dumbledore over here. <laughs> a Dumbledore, okay. Adam well, Dumbledore. <laughs> so as you know, yeah, we've spoken uh, space wizards with you before, Adam. But now we're going to yeah. be talking uh, the traditional, um, modern traditional wizards. So uh, we've been asking everybody, what's your history with Harry Potter? You know, what's your background with the series? And thanks for joining us. Oh, boy. Well, uh, first, I want to thank y'all and your uh, guests for these episodes. They've been delightful. And they have reintroduced me to a franchise that meant a ton to me growing up that I had not revisited in a long time. Uh, I guess uh, I first found out about Harry Potter because it was like a buzz in the uh, like the book fair world. Or like the teacher mm-hmm. world of like this is a good one, mm-hmm. and then I remembered some kids weren't allowed to read it, um, but it sounded really stupid to me. I was like, "What do you mean? Is he gonna have like a wand with like a white tip on it? You know?" And <laughs> wow. he's pulling <laughs> rabbits out of hats. But I read it. I think I read the first one through the third one in pretty quick succession. So they must have all been out, but it was before the movies were coming out. And then the movies, I watched the first two came out around my birthday. And I think for both of those, it was like, birthday, we're going to the movies. And eventually, like around the time the fourth one came out, I started to really resent the movies, not only for like corrupting how I envisioned uh, the characters in the world, but it, it started to be like a replacement for the, the books more right. than a substitution. You know, it was like, oh, no. This is misrepresenting what I love, which is the books. And so I never saw the fifth one. I did see the sixth one in theaters uh, because I like that book a lot. 
And then I still have not seen the final two. I think I'll wow. I'm up and we'll watch the final two now. But yeah, watch I really, along with us. I, I disapparated um, from the series. I I read the first ones over and over and over again. Uh, the sixth one I read at least twice. And then the seventh one I borrowed and hated the ending and just never returned. And then when I thought about returning, like anytime I thought about it, it's always been like, oh, yeah, well, I don't really like Rowling anymore. Maybe I'll hate these <laughs> books you know, now. Uh, but <laughs> prepping for this, I listened to the sixth one. I listened to the seventh one. Oh I'm listening God. to uh, the fifth one. And surprisingly, I actually really like the uh, last book now. I, uh, wow. I turned around on it. The final book, the yeah, uh, Deathly yeah. Hollows. Okay. Yeah. So Adam, nice. You mentioned like you know the movies kind of destroyed the images of like certain characters and stuff you had in your head, and that's always like a risk of like adapting a novel into a movie, right? Where it's like you have these images of of certain characters of how they look in your mind, and then it kind of gets replaced, and that happens a lot with like even with like something like Game of Thrones that happened with me on certain characters they didn't look exactly how I imagined them. Yeah. 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 And, you know, similar to maybe not loving the ending of something that you feel passionate about, a la Star Wars or Game of Thrones. Uh, We'll uh see what happens when we get to the final (laughs) wrap-up of the Harry Potter series. Because I, like Adam, stopped reading, you know, uh, around the fourth book. I read the fourth book, but I listened to the audiobook of this one, just like I did for Order of the Phoenix, which I had never done before. So my first time going through the book. And uh, excited to talk about that process as well. Mike, uh, the sneak one. attack expert here. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited that you guys have been killing it. Jacob, did you get a chance? Have you reread this bad boy? Uh, well, actually, I've started listening to or re-listening to some of the audiobooks as well. But I started. I'm a little slower, I guess, listening to these because I started on the fourth, the fourth book when we were doing the fourth movie like a couple weeks ago, and I'm still on the fourth book. So I'm just, I'm not, you know killing these audiobooks like you guys are but um, that would be my pace mike gives me like <laughs> courage that we do these once a week and he's like wrapped up another one but i, I don't know that i could be there yeah i mean they're like 20 hours each so you just got to be listening to them for like hours every day or something i put them on at 1.75 speed mm. and like oh is that true sometimes- <laughs> Yeah, because I kind of drag it out. And then Harry walked into the room. Yeah. He looked around. It's like, no, no. Just And then Harry walked in the room. He <laughs> saw the Hagrid on the other and side. This, and I'm and like, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Right. That would <laughs> let's, be let's kind of like listening to someone read you a book while like on Adderall or something. Oh, yeah. Or and then, yeah, then I take Adderall before I listen 40s. to it. Right. Ah, here we go. That's... I, I <laughs> yeah, always like listen while I'm read. Uh, grinding on like Rocket League. or I was playing Dark Souls oh, 3 and listening. Nice. And the tone was matching pretty well. Nice. Well, famously, Miyazaki designed uh, the Duke's archives in Dark Souls 1 after the rotating staircases of Hogwarts. Oh, really? He was inspired by Amazing, that, amazing so. fact that I don't know. Adam, yeah. I wanted to ask you a question here. Uh, as Mike said, we're trading in sci-fi for fantasy. And we've had you on a couple sci-fi things. Sonic, believe it or not, sci-fi. Alien. A great adaptation, by Star the way. Wars. <laughs> yeah, of course <laughs> it is, Mike. Um, do you like fantasy? Does this is this good for you? As you said, you've been playing the Dark Souls games. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm way more of a sci-fi fan than a fantasy fan. I do make exceptions, uh, of course. You know, notably uh, Lord of the Rings, mm. in both book and film. Um, and I'd say this is like this is probably like the second biggest fantasy influence uh, on on my life. So yeah, definitely lean wow. more into the sci-fi. 
Gotcha, gotcha. Well, then, you know, I kind of mentioned on the previous episode that in the realm of fantasy, wizards are kind of nerdy, but Harry Potter kind of made them cool. Like people wanted to be a wizard, right? So the the segue being, um, did you ever go to Pottermore? And if so, what was your house? Yes. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, I love, uh, I love the idea of like wizards shifting. I just remember, you know, the trailer or, or not even the trailer, like the whatever, the blurb on the back of the book, I remember being exposed to you're a wizard, Harry, before sure, I read the totally. book. And I was like, mm-hmm. what do you, like, what do you mean you're a wizard, Harry? Like, it seems <laughs> like so stupid know, to me. Yeah. You're, 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 <laughs> like, you're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> you're but, Jesus, um, Harry. <laughs> I did go to Pottermore at some point in time. I did all the, the stuff. I played a lot of the games. Um, I read all the extra books. Uh, but I remember like feeling like that test was silly. Um, I was put into Gryffindor, but didn't really care about it. I always felt like the saddest thing about Harry Potter is it posits a real world where we're all just like the losers. Like there's like you're living in the same world. It's just like I guess I'm a Muggle, you know? Right. Well, it's just like yeah, Star Wars, the same world is... where it's like yeah. you know, there's the Jedi, but it's it's really rare to be a Jedi. So you're probably just going to be some lowly you know worker on Tatooine or something. Yeah, for sure. So I think I've probably father was just on the a, Death Star. A, a squib. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'll say, you know, allegiance to, to Gryffindor, I guess, since 80% of the books are through that lens. <laughs> I love like, the realism you are attacking this with, Adam, where our other guests have been like, I feel like I would be in this house. I'd be in this house. And you're like, there is nothing. I don't know magic. I'm a muggle. <laughs> <laughs> I missed it. I mean, I just, I really feel like it could be out there. I just missed it. Um Stuck in this muggle life. So, Adam, I wanted to ask you, uh, as a more of a, a gamer, a video gamer, right? Um, you played some of the games. What was your favorite of all the Harry Potter games that you remember? And we haven't talked to any of them. So, Jacob, That's this true. is a perfect setup. Hey, Adam, you're a Twitcher, elegant weapon. Check him out if nobody's done this. I'm not saying you have to Twitch these, but maybe <laughs> when you're done, we do Harry Potter 6, The Half-Blood Prince. But no, do, do you love these like Jacob's saying? I loved these games growing up. I Yeah, I liked I liked uh, all of them that I had. I, I actually thought were really great. Um, although I was looking at the sixth one uh, today online, and I was like, oh man, uh, yeah, maybe I should stream that. It's just, it looks terrible. <laughs> but I played the second one on Game yes. Boy Advance, and that was oh, a big wow. deal. And I played one of like the 3D action adventure ones. I can't remember which it was, but I beat it. But mostly the Quidditch game I thought was yes. super cool. That's had what that I was going to say, because I had that, it, actually, I had um, Chamber of Secrets on GameCube, and then I recently had found some old GameCube games, and I have the Quidditch game on GameCube, yes. but I don't remember it at all. You got to play it. It's, it holds up pretty it well as a sports game, or as I remember it, I was like, this works pretty well. The and FIFA it also, of, to of defend <laughs> Quidditch a little bit, what this book also does is like it explains that yeah some of the the way you get ranked in tournaments is based on the final score not whether you win or lose it's about winning by a certain amount so right. like the quidditch setup in yeah. this book is like oh we have to win by this much or we're going to lose the house cup and so it's like kind of they they retcon it a little bit in this book to make yeah. it more feasible of like it's similar to college yeah. football in that way where it's like at the end of the year, if you don't know no college football. No one gets paid? <laughs> that and uh, – <laughs> but at the end of the year, right, there's four teams that make the college football 
playoffs. And of course, there's more than four winning teams in America of college teams, right? So they have to decide based on strength of schedule and how much, you know, how convincingly you win games by and stuff like that. So that's similar to that. For a collegiate sport. Real pod racer scenario, though, (laughs) where we get the the sports, you know, spinoff of the franchise being the more successful game, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Very true. Um, If I could just, I wanted to um, say briefly that I'm glad to be back here on the old podcast. I was experiencing some Mm -hmm. FOMO last week listening to the episode, but uh, (laughs) I got to shout out Allie, last week's guest. She did a great job and um, a lot of stuff. Absolutely. Like even my little Cobb's Corner at the end, like don't even listen to that because I'm basically just repeating what you guys said a lot of the times. (laughs) You can skip it. I thought it was great, buddy. I'm joking. I'm joking. I listened to the whole thing. Oh, thank you. But yeah, there's just so much I wanted to say about the last movie. And then I, and then you guys covered so much of it. I was listening to the episode and I even wanted to like interject and add stuff. And then I was like, wait, I'm listening to a recording. So good job, you guys. And I'm excited <laughs> to talk about this one now. Thank you. Yeah, we were having, we tried. We really tried to get everybody on. We were having some issues with the flu network. You know, I think yes. Umbridge still had some of her. Yeah, the Wi-Fi, it, you know, we the Wi-Fi at Azkaban all was uh, not so good. So I think the Dementors <laughs> were interrupting the, the Forgot signal. to pay the bill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, with that said, then let's go ahead and let's jump into it. Let's do it. It's the Half-Blood Prince on Normies Like Us. We're back. I'm opening up my textbook here, and it does have some particular scribbles. I don't know about you guys, but while we're talking it, I'm going to follow these instructions instead. We'll see what sort of potion I end up brewing at the end here. But we're here. We're talking Half-Blood Prince. So they're one of these mystery books, Jacob, where, you know, the title is, it's like, what is the thing that we're getting to? So I'm not loving that, but just general thoughts across the board. How did you guys feel reading, watching, loving it this time? I've said in the past... This one really isn't for me. I'll talk about that a little bit more, but it's we're kind of getting to my low points here. Hmm. For me, I have I would have to disagree with you a little bit, Colin, because as someone who hasn't recently listened to the audiobook, um, I didn't remember as much about this book as I did like four and five. And actually, because of that, I really actually really like this movie because my problem with the last couple is like I feel like they cut out so much from the books that I have problems with the adaptation. This one, it felt like a much better adaptation of the source material because it retains so much of the info, but that could just be because I didn't remember in detail so well. But the main things I remember about the book is like the Felix Felicia scene that really stuck out to me in the books and all the relationship stuff, of course, and then the ending was mm-hmm. the main thing. So, But it doesn't have a big structural thing like the, the Goblet of Fire or something like that. Right, right. Okay. Well, I want to get Adam's take on this then as our guest, because he did kind of go through the book. Um, Note for the listeners, this is the book that defines spoiler culture for the modern era. And we will be getting into spoilers going forward. When it comes up, it'll come up. I'm not saying we need to jump to it now, but... But the recent book readers, I want to hear your guys' opinions. Yeah. um, No holds barred. So Adam, your takes on uh, The Half-Blood Prince? (laughs) No holds barred. I, uh, I will not hold my bars. Um, I, uh, <laughs> okay, I remember this as being my favorite book, like, um, but I didn't remember it extremely well. And uh, when I saw it in theater, or 
like I remembered it like seeming like a more solid movie than the other ones I'd seen. I was like, oh, yeah, this is a pretty decent adaptation. It seems like they got a lot of things right from what I remember. Having watched it after rereading the book, uh, I did not feel that way at all. I was like, oh, wow, they really missed what I like in the book, which is mostly all this like. There's so many more adventures through Dumbledore's like memories that yes. he's procured, including all this dark wizard stuff, like, like uh, you know Voldemort's like uncle and mother out in the woods and like mm-hmm. incestuous shacks and like. <laughs> oh yeah, it really I goes know. into I like his backstory more. Yeah, with his family. I love, I love all of that. I love being with Gandalf in dark and scary <laughs> places. Um, wow. And this, the book has a lot more of that. Um, so I, yeah, there's a lot in this movie that I feel like is missed, but it is, it looks pretty. Um, yes. It's a pretty looking movie. Like it's like uh, it holds together um, a little better than some of the others. I just feel like it really misses what makes the book emotional. Sure. Hmm. Yeah, I love the cinematography in this one as well. And I actually looked it up who did the cinematography. It was Bruno Del Bonel, who's done a bunch of other good movies. So um, legit, really good cinematography in this one. Gotcha. What, well, yeah, it sounds like a wizard name to me. <laughs> right, right. So much color correction, guys. This is the one where I was watching <laughs> where I was like, it, this could, this is what dumb Americans think England and Scotland well, looks like. Like well, that it's is overcast it like. and brown. The entire, <laughs> yeah, that be. color palette know. is kind of Del Bonell's like speciality of like, he's done Inside Lewin Davis and a bunch of other movies where he mm. often uses like that heavily saturated like color palette of like the yellows and the browns and greens and stuff. Got it. Uh, well, then, as kind of someone who also finished, I never read this book, so it was my first time going through the book, and I finished it right before I watched the movie again, which I'd probably only seen the movie once. And uh, kind of like Adam, yeah, I was shocked by the amount of stuff that was omitted or completely changed, and actually, I felt probably the most let down by this one out of any wow. of the movies we've watched. But it might be because it's my first time through the book, and I have all this, like you said, there's more backstory to Voldemort. There's a lot of things that we're missing. There's a lot that's there at the core, but I don't know. I had a hard time. I like that you guys come from the adaptation angle, uh, especially with the differences from the book to the movie. Me, just to clarify my point, all I would say is about this one is it's the least one with a plot is what I would argue. They're at the school and the movie is kind of hairy trying to figure out what the plot of it is. Other than that, it's just a bunch of disconnected scenes that just kind of jump around, and then you go, all right, well, the movie's over. And this time watching it, I was really turned off to that fact. There's there's just no through line to this bad boy. That's a big complaint that people who are not fans of the book or this movie is basically they say that the Half-Blood Prince is nothing but like a setup to the Deathly Hollows or a setup to the finale. It's basically giving you all the information you need to kind of begin the finale. Mike, it's information this kid needed from the first day of school that he is getting in year six, where you just want to say, old man, I don't know what your plan was that you think you can just, spoiler alert, what's going to happen to you at the end of this, and you think this teenager is going to clean up your fucking mess. Like, he he, he just learned what this thing is the day you die. Well, that's, you know, Dumbledore has been trying to, he never knew how much to tell Harry because he wanted to keep him at an arm's length. And he kind of knew that Harry might have to die eventually to defeat Voldemort. So he didn't want to get too attached to him. So there's some reasons for it, but he basically is like, 
I think it's, you know, J.K. Rowling wrote him that way on purpose to be like, even though he's like the most powerful, best wizard ever, he he is also capable of making mistakes. Yeah, uh, the what Dumbledore does and doesn't tell Harry is a much like clearer plot in the book or like a clearer factor in the book. And that's what drives like Dumbledore and Harry's relationship doesn't evolve in this movie at all. And that's, I'd say, the most important part about the book is it's like, look, Harry, things in the world are really bad. I got to start teaching you some stuff so that because you're going to have like a, a mission peer. in life. Right. And that's yeah. Yeah. And Harry's angry that he's not getting enough information. So totally. while Harry is pretty stupid in the books, which I like, like it's he's a relatable <laughs> level of clueless and he needs Hermione there to tell him anything <laughs> yes. um, in the movie. It makes everything seem absurd because there's no like clarity from Dumbledore. Like at the end of the movie, uh, well, I, I won't jump there, but basically it's like, Oh, I guess I just have to do these things because I'm Harry Potter. And right. a big part of this book is like, you're going to have to do this because you're Harry Potter. <laughs> like right. it's like chosen. clearly outlined. Yeah. Also yeah. like the idea that, and you're Harry Potter because Voldemort kind of, chose you like he could have chose you know it could have been neville uh, yeah 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 and i think it it goes way more into it in the books like that basically mm -hmm. voldemort made his own destiny by choosing harry over neville and like this all could have been neville longbottom in the sorcerer's stone yeah so like adam said the the book yeah (laughs) neville longbottom sorcerer's stone the longbottom chronicles um, not a great, not a great Neville book or movie. Hey, let's hold Neville on. Let's watch. do it, Mike. Um, <laughs> yeah. Nove- ne- Neville, Vember, and Longbottoms long to find Sember. them. <laughs> <laughs> and your parents' minds, and you'll never find them again. Thanks, Bellatrix. Yeah, not a lot for Neville to do in this one. Next one nope. will be Neville will get some some good action. In, in, they in do the give him all the house elf two. work, though. You know, like yep. uh, right. Dobby giving Dobby the gillyweed. Get- yeah. This time, the house elves were serving the appetizers at uh, Slug Slughorn's party, but oh, it was right. Neville. So whenever like, they have someone doing something that a you know a house elf <laughs> did in the book, they just give it to Neville. Yeah, <laughs> I like the idea that the, the students that aren't good enough to get into like the cool kids club are just put to work as waiters, I guess, at this party. <laughs> yeah, it's such a cruel world, the wizarding world, where oh, yeah. you it's know, a very uh, class based society. It, yeah. The class is still there. People are still struggling. They're like, dumb, even the school that Dumbledore runs literally has a cool people club. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. It's, uh, well, it's th- real harsh. That's actually the thing that amazes me every time is just like, you can make magic, you can make things out of nothing. Why is there money in the wizarding world? Why is there an economy? Why is there rich and poor people? Like, right. it, it doesn't make sense in- if you think about it too much. In this very book, when Harry's trying to get the, the memory out of Slughorn, he's using a spell to refill a liquor bottle. But we right. hear Slughorn say at some point, I was saving this for a special occasion. Like, why save right. anything? Just drink it now and then refill it well, and drink it I later. Mean, guys, yeah, we're going to learn about a type of dark magic in this called Horcruxes, where literally he says, and you know, murder. Nothing could tear the soul apart. Nothing is more unnatural. And he's saying that while he's doing magic. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> you want to talk about unnatural to nature. Everything you do is unnatural to nature. The, right. the, the dark only side dark side of the force. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You gotta maintain the balance. many abilities. Um it's so weird the the uh, the other biggest change I feel like from the the books to the movies is that 
it's like, oh, we have to figure out what Voldemort is doing. And in the book, Dumbledore knows it's Horcruxes. He suspects it's Horcruxes. Right. It's all like explaining to Harry, this is why I think this is what happened. And I think there are seven of them or like there are a lot of them. We need to confirm it. And it builds. It's all about building the character of Voldemort, too, where it's like, oh, his ego is his flaw. He put himself in all these like very important items and put them in very important places because, you know, he's got such a big ego and that's his weakness. Harry, keep that in mind. Like, yeah. and in this, it's just like, oh, we figured out. He's going to do Horcruxes. Yeah, with the movie, you do lose that. Like, because they cut out so many of those flashbacks, like, you lose that he has this kind of attachment to famous or powerful magic objects. So he's trying to collect something from each house of Hogwarts, and that's what he's going to use. And now you just know he has seven of them, but you have no idea what they are. Whereas in the book, you kind of have a hint of what at least three or four of them might be. Totally. You know, that's kind of lost for sure. Yeah, and even the number of seven is like a special magical number of like importance. Um, but yeah, I think uh, what really stands out to me from the books is like the Dumbledore Harry one on ones. Like I remember that really strongly, and the movie does cut out a lot of that. And even the importance of that Slughorn memory. It's like, well, if you knew most of this stuff anyways, like they're acting like the Slughorn memory is the key to everything when really it just kind of confirms things that Dumbledore already knew. The principle of the movies that we've sort of gotten as we've gone through this is you're not really going to be a character until it's your time at bat, right? This mm-hmm. is the Dumbledore movie. Dumbledore kind of needs to be a character yep. now. Totally. Even though you would argue this is also the Snape movie. And also the Draco still movie. still in the background. And it's kind of the Draco movie. And Jacob, he is so whittled down to basically not even appearing in this thing. Oh, I really liked him in this. I guess I'm kind of surprised by some of your guys' reactions because, like, I really enjoyed this movie. I think it's probably my, at this point, it's my second favorite after the third, although I think seven part one will probably top that when I rewatch it. But I thought the Draco stuff in this was really good. I mean, he just, like, I think Tom Felton does a great acting here where he's just, like, so conflicted. You see this more conflicted side of Draco, especially in the at the end when he confronts Dumbledore. I mean, it's really good acting there, I thought. I... I do like him in this movie. It's just weird where they spend their time. Like, it's so easy to explain that cabinet. And we get three different scenes, long scenes of him in toying with a cabinet. And in the book also, there's like this huge thread of like Harry being obsessed with Draco and knows that he's up to shit. And he's like talking to to Dumbledore about it or talking to, you know, trying to talking to Ron's dad about it, trying Mm -hmm. to get it shut down. And so he feels continues to feel angsty and stifled. Um, But without that, without it, it is just kind of like Harry's floating around. And instead of getting more time with Snape, who in this book, we also get to see him kind of like being a double agent or not. Yeah, we don't really know. A lot more. We lose that, but there's a lot of time spent on like, look up at this cabinet. Yeah. Camera (laughs) sweeps in. I guess that's true. Put a bird in, click Wait, but Adam, wait. it also takes its time with what we know with how the structure of the year goes. Like there's stuff where they set up the cabinet and then they go to the Weasleys and then Arthur has to explain what the cabinet is. Then they're back at the school. In my mind, I'm like, was that Christmas vacation? Like, why was he with the Weasleys? None of it goes explained. I know it's not because they had that Hogsmeade trip where the girl gets possessed by the cursed necklace. Well, that was their vacation. Well, Christmas, they like, go to the borough. 
and then they get attacked by Bellatrix Lestrange and them. That's okay, Christmas okay. too, I think. When I'm watching it this time, I, I there is no sense of timeline for me for this entire movie. It kind of does. It just moves. It moves. Yeah, and you know the book, granted being pretty long, like over 600 pages, it has more time with that. And I need to mention, as Jacob said about the burrow, like yeah. that's my biggest one of my biggest problems with the movie is the house doesn't get burnt down in the book. They just go to Christmas. And then uh, the new minister, Scrimger, comes over and like tries right. to get Harry on his side, and that's it. But So they move this attack mm. to the burrow for no reason, just because the second act was boring, I guess. But then they took away the fight at the school that actually happens in the book with the Death Eaters, which really bummed me out. And yeah. I hate the right. attack on the burrow in the movie. I like, yeah, well, really weird. I like the attack on the burrow in the movie. I thought it was like an interesting scene. Um, I guess I, I just need to re re read the book now because to me I guess I'm just surprised because I think this is a much better adaptation than four and five like really I thought five was not a good adaptation at all um and this one's a little longer but I guess they do still have to cut some stuff out and um yeah no Rufus Scrimgower which is a big thing um yeah and like replacing Cornelius Fudge and everything um which I think he does he he'll he'll show up in the next one uh played by Bill Nye Yes, of course. Right, right. But yeah, no, no Scrimger <laughs> subplot. But yeah, the, the Weasley's house does not get burned down in the book. Yeah, right, well, it, it, also at the end, when Bellatrix just like lights up Hagrid's house, does that happen in the books? I don't remember, but it, it seems like they His house stuff. does catch on fire, but the oh, okay. context is much different at that point. Uh, I was going to say about the school year, that was the biggest mm. thing, watching the movies and reading the books at the same time. I was like, oh, in the books... Like the plot is in the context of the school year. Like the school year is like the baseline and it's a kid's book. So it makes sense. Like it's very relatable. Like, ah, we're getting through the school year. And then the movies, the school year is just contextualized inside of the plot. So like, yeah, it does feel like a lot of times you just have like, whoa, where are we? Are they on a train again? Like, it's such an easy guideline, Adam, to just be like, just follow a school schedule, like just set it up how we understand it. Exactly how you're saying in the books. But the way they do it is they play so fast and loose in this one where you're like, hey, and I know this is in the book stuff, too. But the moments where it's like, I don't know, maybe you should take a potions class. I don't like you having a free period. And they're like, okay, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you didn't like, even get good enough grades yeah. to get into yeah. that class. Like, I remember whatever. having those no, feelings you didn't have, in high school. Yeah. And then, yeah, he's like, Weasley looks far too happy. Take him with you. Yeah. But I think the thing is, um, Slughorn's grade requirements were lower than Snape's. So when he thought right. Snape's was teaching potion, he wasn't going to do it. But then he realized that he has the grades to make Slughorn's class. Right, right. And so speaking of potions, then obviously, Harry comes across the textbook that belonged to the Half-Blood Prince, right? And we yes. realize at the end that the Half-Blood Prince, spoiler, right? So we just, you know, we <laughs> find out that, that was Snape, right? Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. He has been the potions teacher for how long? He literally... 16 years? He literally fixed years. the textbook. But why is he teaching them with incorrect textbooks? <laughs> yeah, right. That's well, a that's, question, Mike. Well, that was his personal textbook highest, when he was a kid. I know, but he found better recipes. Why is he not yeah, teaching he those to his students? That. Yeah. That's true, this but he's the highest level of education in the wizarding world. Th- You're getting this is pretty the best clearly terrible instructions. To I the think point where um, it's like Hermione can't pull off a yeah, workable version of this potion. Yeah, the best student at school but blows it by following the this, outline. 
Well, yeah, I think it's more it. that um, it shows that Stape is like this like potion savant, and he yes. you know adds his Intuitive. own improvisations, but he doesn't want to tell every student his secrets because then every student would be as good as him. Yeah, yeah but yeah. neither did the guy who wrote the book. <laughs> he also <laughs> wanted to hold on to his class and power by right. But that's what I'm saying. It's like he Snape knows more than the textbook writers, but he's not going to share it with everyone. I guess I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't want to the minds of my students at all. <laughs> no, 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 I'm a bad teacher. Well, Snape we've we've criticized the yeah. teaching at these Hogwarts schools. in general. Yeah. Let's but talk also, about the new teacher. I want to talk about Jim Broadbent for a minute. Professor Slughorn comes mm. in here. Obviously, the big bait and shift uh, is. Oh, he's the new Defense Against Dark Arts teacher right. because that's what happens every year. No, potions teacher. Snape finally gets what he wants. Little switcheroo. Um, little Why switcheroo. Isn't there a reaction shot? I was so confused because that that is very heavy in the books. Of like, oh my gosh, yeah. we thought he was gonna be. And in this, they don't even they barely like nod their heads. Like it's it would have been so line. easy to yeah. just have like what? Like let's look around the table. <laughs> It's right. like a wide shot too, and this, you know, yeah. Slughorn just kind of raises his hand. They don't even. So I'm glad to hear that it did feel like a bait and switch, though. But I wanted well, to talk been about built up for mention... years that Snape always wanted to be dark arts, but he never got the chance until now. Yes, okay. something we have never said before uh, while reviewing these books, uh, and it wouldn't be something that our our audiobook listeners here got. But do you guys remember the? illustrations that would be at the top yes. of the chapter in the original books when we were kids, right? Those original scholastic copies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The yeah. picture of Professor Slughorn as a half Ottoman man that does make up the first chapter for this book has stayed with me. Like there's a lot of stuff in this book where I'm like, oh yeah, no, I totally remember that. Right. And he's also was- described in the book as like very walrus like, I believe. And he has like a oh, really? big like mustache that's like a walrus mustache, but he doesn't have that in the in the movies. That uh those illustrations which were exclusive to the US versions of yes. the book were like mm. so uh crucial to like how I, you know, fabricated the world in my mind. And I, I really miss having those. Um, Adam, it would be, you know, books. the top of the chapter. And it would let you know basically what was going to happen in the chapter you're about to read. I would look at those sometimes and be like, I can't wait. I can't wait. Like, I remember some of the first ones in the first book are like nearly headless Nick and stuff. And, you know, the the hippogriff in the third one. And it's just fucking exhilarating. Right. And sometimes you get a title that you're like, what does that mean? And then you just get a little little illustration. You're just trying to figure out what the chapter is going to be about based on the illustration in the title. Yeah, it's great times. Yeah, I, I must admit about Slughorn is um, I was listening to shout us again, Sidecar Stories, the YouTube version, and they decided to give him like this southern voice where it's like, Harry, my boy, I didn't expect you to come <laughs> Why, in. And, I don't know, but I just fell it's in love British with it. It's a British school, you know? though. He's, but hey, whatever, y'all, you know? it's me, Slughorn. But he's like got his mustache, and, you know, it's like so gregarious, and like I was really fell in love with that version of him and I was really sad to watch the movie and just have like a regular British like guy. Y'all gonna right. join the slug club? <laughs> it was exactly that's... like that. It was great. So, uh, But speaking I, of a, the... Uh... That's where the movie, like we said, just to wrap it up, is kind of breaks the version that you had in your mind, right? Totally. Yeah. Um, but the character of Slughorn, I do find him interesting. He's the professor mm-hmm. that wants to collect famous and talented students. Um it's interesting. Like it's an interesting concept, and um, you know him having this slug like club. Shoulders. Yeah, because like every influential Slytherin too. It's yeah, not and evil. he was. He's just kind of 
Yeah, a little weird. Right, and he was the head of Slytherin House when he was originally a professor. And um, it kind of, yeah, it kind of shows that not every Slytherin has to be totally evil. Like, you can just kind of have the cunning, you know, characteristics. He's self-centered somewhat, right, but he's not evil, right, Right. necessarily. And even with the the Death Eaters trying to recruit him at the beginning and stuff, he doesn't want to join them. Um, Yeah. But, Jacob, you're getting Mm -hmm. some great character development. The stuff where it's, oh, that's so-and-so, the head of the Harpies or the Hogsmeade Harpies or whatever you call Mm -hmm. that Quidditch team. Right. I could get tickets whenever I want. Oh, I haven't been oh. to a game in so long, though. You know, that, that dichotomy of I am high status, but I am alone is very well written. Right. And it also kind of shows the world building of like things have gotten pretty dark in the world of, you know, the wizards right now where it's like you can't even go to like, you know, Quidditch games anymore because everyone's scared to like even be outside of their houses. They might get abducted by Death Eaters or something. And that's another thing, too, that was missed in the movie is you see how much people are like scared and like taking security risks where like Fred and George made shield hats as a joke, but they were so good that the ministry was buying thousands of them for their oars to have a shield charm. And like people are constantly testing whether their loved ones are their loved ones when they're coming home, like that kind of element of uh, of paranoia that was surrounding the wizarding world is definitely absent in the movie. Totally. Adam, can I ask a uh, favorite character, since we haven't gotten that from you? We get the twins a little more in this one with their joke shop. I'm feeling like it's the twins. Is it the twins? <laughs> I I do like the twins, but I think McGonagall is my favorite. McGonagall? My favorite character. Yeah, she's great. I feel like it's so rare to have like an old lady character who, anytime she shows up, it's such a relief. Like... Usually it's in a situation where Harry's like, screw, like she's not always friendly. Like sometimes she's the antagonist when she's dealing out punishment. But I feel like there are so many times in the books where it's like, oh, thank goodness McGonagall's here. And also Mm -hmm. got the sense that like, you don't want to like mess with her. Like she's a powerful witch. She's She's definitely powerful. I also feel like in the movies though, it's kind of like anytime she's there and Dumbledore's not, it's almost like, Oh, she's good, but she's not like Dumbledore, and Harry doesn't feel as safe without Dumbledore. But I do like, you know, that she's her powerful in her own right, and she gets obviously yep. more to do in the seventh book too, in the finale. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I love uh, to shout out uh, Jim Dale, who did the the U.S. versions of the audiobook. There's a lot of controversy online of Jim Dale versus. Um, Stephen Fry. Stephen Fry. Yes. Yeah. yeah, Stephen Fry. Yeah, yeah. versus Stephen Fry. Uh, one thing that's incredible. Uh, one, I read that he had the world record for the most character voices in an audiobook at one point in time because he does such distinct voices for each character, and a lot of them line up, wound up lining up really well with who they cast in the movies, including McGonagall. Like McGonagall in the books. It's a little bit more over the top in the books, but it's the same voice there. Ah, like a lot totally. of. Um, his choices like make it to the movies and that character in the audiobooks is really funny to listen That's a to. Hoot. This is the third yeah. recommendation for a different audiobook that a we're getting. Version. Guys, <laughs> am I going to do like one book for each of yours? I don't know. Well, the Jim There's Dale ones are the chapters. ones that I, I have as well. Mm. Um, yeah, I think McGonagall, underrated character and Maggie Smith, underrated performance yes. as McGonagall too. It's always McGonagall and Snape that are like the 
you know, secondary most powerful characters after Dumbledore, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we get some great stuff from both of them. Uh, I've been kind of coming. Oh, no, go ahead. I was just going to say they kill it. And also, uh, I love the guy who plays Dumbledore. Uh, Michael Gambon. Michael Gambon. There you go. Yeah, yeah he's I'm great. a Gambon guy, actually. I, I've been you know converted, what? Jacob. I've been I'm converted. Now. I was, <laughs> okay, when yeah. I was younger, when I was younger, I was like, Richard Harris, he's, he's the Dumbledore that I envisioned as a kid. But seeing like Michael Gambon evolve over these movies, like I think he, this Especially is his best movie. Yeah. Oh, he's uh, so good. He's, Mike, the cave. When we get muttering old man who goes, oh, I don't want to drink it. <laughs> they're like, drink it. But then even after that, when he, you know, he's doing that huge fire thing, it's like even super weakened. Yes. He's like the most badass, powerful wizard that there is. Yeah, yeah. He strikes the right balance of like his presence makes you feel more comfortable only because he's powerful and on the side of good. Not because he's like, you know, totally sweet or like makes all the right decisions. Like he strikes it as like, oh, no, he's kind of a weird dude. Yeah. Totally. Um, and I think he's the, who we have. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And I think the transition to Michael Gambone in the movies actually works because when you first see in the in the books, you know, Dumbledore is this old wise man who to Harry is like completely unimpeachable. Like he's always right. He's the wisest man in the world. Then over time, we realize that he, you know, he does make mistakes. He's not infallible. And I think Michael Gambone plays that side of him really well. Oh, Jacob, we get the best line in this one. You know, to me, Harry, you're still that little child, um, shaking, quivering, you know, small boy that I saw before me one day. But Professor, to me, you look exactly the same. (laughs) It's like, yeah, you're totally right. He was this not senile, not weak, but just a, a patriarchal figure that just meant law and order. He was not a badass that will protect you. And now Harry sees... You're the man. You're the mentor. You're a peer. Yeah. Yeah. And we get in the book, you know, Rufus Scrimger constantly asking Harry multiple times, hey, will you come over and say that you're working with the ministry to stop Voldemort so that it, people in the public think that, you know, we're doing all right. And he's like, no, I, I hate the ministry. You guys didn't believe me. Right. You know, I, I'm a Dumbledore guy through that. and through, basically. So totally. He's being challenged to show his allegiance. And he's always siding with Dumbledore as, you know, that figure, that cornerstone that's always been there for him. Uh, and the books yeah this book lasts right and i think the books does really go into their one-on-one relationship a lot more and you get this sense that like dumbledore really does love harry as like almost a a son or a child um but he also knows that he has to like keep this distance from him so it's it's just much more nuanced in the books for sure um i also wanted to mention about Mm -hmm. so you know going from cornelius fudge to scrim scrimger or scrimgower i say scrimgower but i don't know how yeah pronounce um we call him scrimmy <laughs> scrimmy scrimmy one thing that's interesting yeah. that and he's not in this book but he in this movie but he will be in the next right. one cornelius fudge in the last one i didn't get to say this last week but this is actually kind of a fun fact it's i think i don't know if this is confirmed but i think this is a reference to british history world war ii right you had prime minister neville chamberlain right right before world war ii i don't know how much you guys know about this but neville chamberlain was mm-hmm. like Basically, he's the fudge. So he refused to see what was going on with Germany and the Nazis. He was like trying to appease Hitler. And then mm-hmm. Winston Churchill comes in and he's like the scrimgower where he's much more like, no, we need to like face off against the Nazis. Like they're a real threat and stuff. So I think that's, I don't know if it's ever been confirmed, but I think that's a reference to that. I think you're dead on. 
I think that makes a lot of sense. We do miss the opening chapter of the book is called The Other Minister, at which point... Yes. Um, yeah, Fudge Where has to go Fudge to the Fudge. human oh, prime yes. minister and, like, and the explain... the magic painting, and that's... I remember yeah. that, Mike, totally. And, and yeah, you see him over time. That bridge. And then yeah. the last one is like, oh, it's Scrim- Scrimgar now, and he's like, shit's getting real. Like, Fudge was yeah. replaced because yeah, he's, he's like, an idiot. Sorry I got to debrief you now on Voldemort's back, yeah. Yeah. Hey, let's uh, let's stay on Dumbledore for a minute. So I made a mistake in the notes where I listed another recurring actor in this film, Ray Fiennes. No, no, no. There is no Voldemort in this movie, except there is. Adam, mm-hmm. what did you think about the Dumbledore baby Voldemort scenes? Now, a lot's been said. Obviously, that's Ray Fiennes' nephew, I believe. That's how they sort of get the look alike. Right. That's... Uh, one of the things that is disappointing to me is that I do like the tone of what we get for those memories. Um, and I like, like, it feels like, oh man, they're really pulling this off. Like, I love just the interview of him at the orphanage. Totally. Um, but it is like, I mean, and I guess for time, but it is totally two dimensional of like, here's an evil little creepy kid. And in the books, uh, it's much more like Dumbledore struggling with like, you know, this is a really talented person and he's been through a lot. And it also like, you know, similarities to Harry and it's like, Oh, uh, Hogwarts is his home. He loves Hogwarts. It's the only thing he loves. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Sorry. The books really highlight that similarity between um, Harry and Voldemort, which again reminds me of the, almost like the Luke Anakin Star Wars relationship where it's like Luke could very well go down the same path as Anakin. Harry could very well go down the same path as Voldemort, except he chooses not to. Right. Or he has Obi-Wan instead of Palpatine. And in it's his the ear. same thing as like, they're holding me back. Like, why yeah. won't Dumbledore tell me everything? Right. I'll give you a seat why on the council, but you listen? will not be the defense totally. against the dark arts teacher. Because <laughs> 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 he interviews for the job in the book. In the book, there's a memory that cut out you. where... Yeah, yeah, he yeah. tries to get the job of Defense Against the Dark Arts and is denied, you know, because he thinks he's going to do some shady stuff. But yeah. yeah. Mike, did you like the teen actor, the one who's kind of interacting with Slughorn? He was kind of too posh bagosh for me. I, I could have had him be more a little sweet opposed to, aren't I the most cunning, evil guy in the <laughs> background? I prefer Tom Riddle, you know, the old yes. G. Tom oh, Riddle Chamber of Secrets. Movie. Yeah, they yeah. should have got him Chamber back. Chamber of Secrets. I think he's probably too old at this point, but yeah. Yeah. Fun fact about teenage Voldemort from this one. He's played by Frank Delane, who you might know from Fear the Walking Dead. He plays the heroin addict character in Fear the Walking Dead, if you've seen that show. Is that true? He's also also the son of an actor, uh, Stephen Delane, who played, um, what's his name? Stannis Baratheon in Game of Thrones. He's his son. Oh, wow. Fun facts all around there. All the connections there. Yeah. Again, that's just the, the Voldemort connections to Harry. You do get a lot more of that. And again, the Hogwarts connection, like Adam said, like him and Harry both feel like that's the only place they have is home. And they're both like, um, like their parentage is the same where they have a, um, you know, mm-hmm. half they're both half blood. So is Snape. So there are a lot of similarities with the which is another Hitler reference with Voldemort where Hitler was like half Jewish. Right. So that's a whole thing with mm-hmm. Voldemort's history. A lot of references there. Which I really wanted to shout that out last one where Harry's yelling at the Death Eaters like, hey, you, you motherfuckers know he's a half-blood, right? Why are you, you know, he's just saying it to <laughs> right. him like, y'all following a, in a pretender. 
that's the the this one and the last one to me really are like oh wow yeah this is coming out of you know a british history of world war ii where you like so much about this book and the following book is like not feeling safe in your home totally. and that's like there's not really oh, a big echo of that like in our history save like maybe you know 9-11 but it's like yeah these you know uh rowling's parents might have you know been through bombing raids for months yeah. at a time and that oppressive like uh feeling is kind of like there's not time for it in the films especially when you have to balance that against like oh this is really the romance movie or like they yeah. cram try to cram like so much of the romance in when oh, i feel yeah. like one of those plot lines isn't necessary at all but 100 yeah. percent. yeah i think you're right they're balancing like the, the darker plot lines like we're getting the opening even the movie of them you know, kidnapping the wand maker and like most of the stores are shut down in Diagon Alley. And then you have all this snogging happening, which is not the stuff that JK does best is the relationships. Right. I mean, right. It was really started in um, Goblet of Fire. We start to get the teenage years, the hormones, crushes, all this stuff continues in the fifth one. We have Cho Chang and everything. In this one, finally, we get Ginny Weasley as a character, right? I complained in the last week about... Ginny in the movies just getting done dirty. Like she's such a non-factor yeah. in the Order of the Phoenix movie. I was just surprised. Like I felt like Luna mm-hmm. Lovegood had more chemistry with Harry than Ginny has up to this point. Finally, Ginny gets to do something, and so I like that. Um, the Ron Lavender Hermione stuff. Um, probably too so much funny. focus on that, right? So <laughs> just cut funny. it. How yeah, dare why not you? just cut it? It doesn't like it doesn't really play a huge factor like beyond this book. Just I, I feel like just cut the the Ron Lavender stuff. Leave in the love potion sequence because well, the that only was hilarious. the one part I do like is where Hermione is like upset and she makes the birds with the charms, and then Harry and Hermione have a really nice like platonic friendship scene together. Really like that stuff, but um. I think a little too much. I wouldn't cut Lavender completely, but probably too much focus on on that relationship. A little bit of that jealousy. So I, I have questions now that we're on to the, the Love Potion era, okay? We know that Love Potions are being sold retail to teenagers. That <laughs> seems um, dangerous. We, they are <laughs> seems proven to make you turn violent as Ron attacks Harry more violently in the book than in the film, but he does attack Harry for speaking ill of the woman. And we learn that um, Voldemort's mother brews a love potion to trick Tom Riddle Sr. into marrying her and has a child with the love potion. So it's played up in some scenes as a comedic thing and other scenes as a a literal rape thing. Yeah, no, it has to deal with love potions in Harry Potter. It has very serious implications if you think about it. But it's almost the same as like Veritaserum, where that could be very dangerous in, in the right hands. Mm-hmm. But I think with these potions, like they're supposedly like really tricky to make correctly. So you'd either have to buy it and it might be expensive or well, you have Fred to make and it George yourself. are just selling them. In both the books <laughs> and the movie, Fred and George are just like, here you I go. Can't, I can't go back yeah. there. In my mind, it's like, yeah, they would be like, there's the love potions and the condoms are in aisle three. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just like, it is so brutal. Um, I. <laughs> I was thinking about this too when they're brewing the death potion, you know, for the for the chance to win the Felix the the luck potion Felix or whatever. Felix Felicis or whatever. Yeah, Guys, I'll never be able to say that. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank <laughs> you, Adam. 
Yeah. Uh, when he's brewing the liquid cocaine and he's doing the poison at first and uh, Slughorn says, oh, a drop of this would kill every person in this room. Why isn't there a Death Eater you ever see with like doing potion stuff? I guess that would be Snape's well, they did role, try to. It, it never is. Yeah, like Draco poisons that mead that Slughorn has, right? So they do. Tr- it's just yeah. I think Avada Kedavra is much more convenient it's, it's much easy. easier to just shoot someone jacob yeah, right. yeah, yeah just yeah. chemical still, warfare yeah still, which i can, is still it, astounding that dark wizards haven't found out about machine guns right well, like, but but, no, right. but adam my my point is <laughs> that's in technology. this world where i live and i'm i'm a wizard and i'm it's all harry potter times i if i sit down at a table to eat at the leaky cauldron i could grab a fork and I could be possessed by a spirit because that thing could have been jinxed, or the chair I sat down on, or the soup that oh, I drank. It could be anything was. at any Why, time. Why? Every moment of your life, right. Jacob, you'd just be like, I don't know. I don't know what's about to happen. <laughs> I guess yeah. that's why the majority of, uh, or I guess that's why there are so many Aurors. It's all just really yeah. mundane, like Geiger countering, like, where's <laughs> the bad magic? Right. Well, it goes or back to the Goblet of Fire. Like, why did the Triwizard Cup need to be a port key? You could have made Harry's, like, book a port key and skipped the whole Triwizard tournament and sent him that's to Voldemort right. directly. It doesn't yeah. make much sense. But. Harry's Harry's blanket on his bed. Yeah. I guess the idea <laughs> there was that, like, maybe if he dies, like, as part of the tournament, you get to keep hidden, like, keep Voldemort's yeah. return hidden. I guess. Build I don't power know. secretly. Yeah. It's stupid. There are a lot of stupid things in a world about magic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It breaks Harry, a lot. Do, of- we do lose yeah. a lot of rules. Yeah, we do have more orrors in the school now, too. We kind of lose that. Tonks is one of the orrors. So we have cops in the school now. Kind of keeping an eye on the students. Yeah, there's a metal detector now, Mike. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, there is basically. Right. You know, and they have all these hexes around the school. So, but Adam, to um, to answer your question serious. about the machine guns, here's my take on it: is that especially <laughs> these dark wizards? <laughs> this is the shit I like. This is yeah. Please. Excuse me. This is the stuff I like. No, you're allowed. I'm improving before the new year, y'all. <laughs> mm. Um. Well, I think with with so why don't why don't wizards just use Muggle technology? Well, I think the answer is wizards believe, especially the dark wizards believe that magic is superior to all Muggle technology, so they don't want to dirty mm. their you know dirty their hands touching these these filthy Muggle objects when they could just use uh, magic. You just instead. wait till I show you a neutron bomb. Fucking blow your books so, away. The, the weirdest thing about the books to me growing up was that the Weasley's dad is like head of knowing about muggles. It's like, just get a muggle born in like, right. Like literally Hermione knows more. Understand everything. Yeah. Hermione (laughs) knows more than like any adult wizard about muggles. And what do your parents do? They're dentists. Oh, (laughs) hmm, interesting. (laughs) What is that? What are we doing here? Wizards don't need their teeth like fixed and cavities filled and stuff. I guess they just do it with magic. Look at Neville. (laughs) Do it magically. Um, <laughs> they just don't bother. Yeah, but again, it goes to like the the wizarding world is a very class based. Like, there's the old blood, and and the, you know, it's all just so. There's so many problems within the wizarding world. It's interesting. Let's do some thoughts on J.K. real quick, Jacob. Now, um, we're kind of disparaging her. We were making fun of Quidditch. We were saying that a lot of this is a little convoluted. You know, one thing I will throw a compliment her way, buddy. Two years, every two years, these books are coming out. Yeah. She's heading towards a deadline to wrap this thing up, and it just seems like it doesn't falter her for a second. When you look at George R. R. Martin and the pressure he's feeling to wrap up his book series, 
she just fucking chugs along and manages it. How do you think she True. does that so properly? Well, um, first of all, I think, you know, I think she does a great job. Her strengths, she knows what her strengths are, I think, until maybe recently trying to write screenplays. But um, the George R. R. <laughs> R. Martin, I think Game of Thrones is a little bit more complicated than Harry Potter. No offense to Harry Potter. In but, what way? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot more characters and plot lines and stuff in, in Game but of Thrones. Sex. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think what, what JK is really good at is retconning things without making them seem like obvious retcons. And then she kind of just pretends like she meant it that whole, the whole time to be that way. But obviously she didn't like with the chamber of secrets, the diary, she didn't know that was good. She didn't know what horcruxes were going to be until like probably this book Mm -hmm. or the last book. Right. But she retroactively makes the diary a horcrux and it fits and it seemed like it all came, but like when she was writing the first two books, she had no idea how much world building and how much there was going to be. But you're so right. We've brought it up before her retroactive ability, but the way that it is seamlessly presented where Harry can just ask a question, wait, you mean that diary that I brought you? Yes. It's exactly what you think, Harry. It's a horcrux too. And here's <laughs> other examples. And you're kind of like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, there is a, you're holding my hand in a way that I'm very happy to be guided along with you. Right, and the basilisk venom is like one of coincidentally one of the few things that can destroy a horcrux. Um, okay, sure, but um, sure, <laughs> yeah. And some things, like if you do think about it, it doesn't make sense. Like why in Sorcerer's Stone? Why is Voldemort, Quirrell Voldemort, trying to kill Harry when he needs Harry alive to like bring him back to full his full body? Right. Well, she didn't know that that's what you know was going to be eventually in Goblet of Fire. So. Um, there's some, but there's a lot that does work, and I think it does eventually feel like a cohesive universe. So I think she does a really good job at that. Uh, yeah, boo to J.K. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, boo to J.K. But it, it going back through these, it does feel like a feat of like it, it's really incredible. Mostly because looking at that timeline of when they came out, it is like oh wow. Uh, considering how quickly this all came together, it's a pretty unique. Uh, feet. Yeah, and I think I she like. plays to her strengths. Like she's really good at writing these fantasy novels, like targeted towards young adults. Um, and I think what she's good at, she's really good at. Then she tries to, you know, write the Fantastic Beast screenplays, and you think, you know, someone who can write novels should be able to write screenplays. Like they're kind of similar, but as we've seen with especially Fantastic Beast two horrible mess of a screenplay like the writing is probably the Terrible. worst thing about that movie right that's what's these these movies started coming out in 2001 too and one thing that i do like is it doesn't seem like she's then begins to write movies you know like this book doesn't seem like a movie at all like it doesn't seem like a good thing to turn into a movie um so right. i do appreciate that even though the movies are out they're they're making big money and maybe a few decisions are made because it's like oh you know what i like tom felton maybe we'll like make sure draco is still a big part of this or whatever yeah. Mo- mostly it feels like the books are being written to their own end you know well and i think that's what, a brilliant what, point adam and i think what saves yeah, these movies think, sorry um what makes these movies good i think is that jk is not given full control over the screenplay in every decision you know, there's a director and stuff. Now it's like David Yates is like her like assistant and she's like in full control of the Fantastic yeah. Beast movies and the quality difference between them is just so big to me anyways. 
Right, right. And then to bring it back to Half-Blood Prince, I mean, the trouble I'm having with these movies going through and actually listening to the books now is separating the two experiences where I have knowledge from the books that is leaking into my viewing of the movie. So, for example, we learn in the books that Snape is teaching them nonverbal spell casting, thus mm. explaining why in the previous movie everybody could do nonverbal spells. Yeah. They also do like a DMV lesson on how to apparate, which in the next movie now everybody knows how to apparate. Right. It's never explained in the movie, but I know that from the book. So I'm having a hard time separating the two where J.K. is clearly paying off these things. Right. The movies don't always do And again, it, right? it would be hard to include every little detail in the movies because they'd all be like four hours long. But yeah, with the nonverbal spells, I did. I forgot that happens in the books. And then I did have a problem in this one when it's, when it's Harry and Draco in the bathroom. They're just like hurling spells at each other, but not saying anything. I'm like... When did they? That's supposed to be like only really powerful wizards can do that, and now all of a sudden they're doing it until he he does the sectum sempra, right? Um, but I guess that is yeah, explained a little it, better in the books. Yeah, which seems important because the Death Eaters are doing it in the uh, Order of the Phoenix finale, and then it would be nice to have like that was some advanced magic, and you need to be prepared. <laughs> we don't get to see we don't get to see Snape leading a Defense Against the Dark Arts class in the Walmart. movie, which is a huge miss. Yeah, yeah. it's so strange. But should we do it? Should we do the spoiler? We're in. We're about an hour in. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's set it up real quick as the cultural phenomenon that mm-hmm. it was. Now, Adam, memes before memes, okay? I mean, this was a time where none of us were... I mean, I, I guess the thing people were sharing was that, like, Badger, Badger, Badger snake video. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, none of us were, like, you know, like... Oh, there's a, yeah, like a puppet Harry Potters. Oh, yeah, that's true, too, Jacob. You guys remember the the but, Harry Potter Puppet Pals or whatever it was called? Totally, <laughs> totally, totally. I love those. Um, oh, my God, we should post one of those at the end here because I absolutely love that series. Yeah. But the Harry Potter meme that brew culturally out of this film was an event that has nothing to do with this film. But with the book release itself, Jacob has said it before. People used to hang out at the booksellers. You would line up. You would do the book release event things. Adam, did you ever do one of these? I did not do one of those. I I remember that being like, uh, you know, hard because the books were expensive. They were like, yes, you know, they, they came out big. and they were hard back and only and it was like buying a video game or something. Yeah. So I remember that like I always really wanted to um, and then it wound up usually me like waiting on the first friend who had finished it to get the books. Oh, totally. But I think maybe I did get this one the day it came out or like. I think at that point, our Walmart uh, had upgraded and had like a book or something. I remember getting it early off of like a stack of books. Yeah, and I, I mean, don't you think laugh. I was spoiled on it. It, there, it got to the point where not even bookstores, it would be like you would go to Best Buy and they'd be like, yeah, we're, we're releasing yeah, yeah. You know, Harry Potter. We're, you know, yeah, we're, we're dropping this one for the week or whatever. Right. And it's because people fucking wanted it. Barnes and Noble should be selling PS5s. (laughs) (laughs) That's where they messed up. We're all lining up. I bought a Nook, too. Wow. Um, You can only get the bundle. This this gave birth to the event. I mean, we were at these lined up book things, right, Jacob? And people were driving by, taping themselves, ruining the big spoiler of this book and taping the reaction of the people of them ruining it. Jacob, did this happen to you? (laughs) Personally, this did not happen to me. And actually, I was able to read this spoiler free 
And it was great because this is probably one of the greatest cliffhanger, like what the fuck moments of like anything I can remember. I mean, there's, you know, Luke, you know, I'm your father. There's, you know, some other ones, but this is like huge in pop culture, like of all time, right? Yeah. One of the biggest cliffhangers ever. And let's go ahead and say he who does not be named. The meme being Snape kills Dumbledore, being what's shouted at the bystanders. That's the big twist. That phrase itself, Mike. It was just something people would start saying. It was something you saw in other pop culture. It was something you saw in parody films. People would start saying Snape killed Dumbledore and stuff. Like It really grabbed culture. And again, this was something where at this point I was kind of still having to explain what Harry Potter was to my mom, even though it was a huge deal. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, I was able to read this. Like As soon as it came out, I would just go to Borders. We had... The borders, you know, the nearest borders to us, which was back when bookstores were a thing. And I don't even know if borders. I was going to say, explain what a borders <laughs> is to the ten-year-olds that are listening to this podcast. <laughs> borders used to be a really cool place. I would go there. I would read the books. They had music in CDs that you could listen to. What's a CD? It was like a cool place to hang out. <laughs> this is Ron's dad. I need um, to explain all this. To <laughs> yeah, kids won't understand. Um, CDs, physical books, magazines. These are things that all used to exist. Um, but yeah, I was able to buy this book, read it all spoiler free. And it was something I remember very strongly being like, what the F like Snape kills Dumbledore. And there's not a, it's, it's definitely a cliffhanger because there's not a resolution to it in this book of like why that happened. Is Snape good or bad? Like it, it really seems like Snape is going full bad at this point. Right. So book boys, Adam, we get the setup to the unbreakable vow. Mm-hmm. I think maybe even one of those dumb chapter names is the unbreakable vow. And you know, like a picture of it or whatever. Yeah. And you kind of get the, uh, subtext of it where you're like, Ooh, something big is happening here. What is Snape's involvement with it? Now we know Dumbledore, Dumbledore. We know Draco is tasked with killing Dumbledore and that Snape intervenes and steps in instead. So as a young reader, you said you're bouncing around. You're not even doing the fifth. You know, you're coming to the sixth and stuff. Were you skeptical of Snape? Were you kind of on the team of he's a he's a double sider? I was. Uh, I, I always felt that nah, Snape's going to be good in the end. I felt like fool me once. You got me early on. I thought he was trying to kill Harry. He wasn't like. <laughs> right. So I. Uh, and, and to be clear, I did skip the movies, but the books I read all mm-hmm. oh, over gotcha. and over all the way up and through. Um, so I remember, you know, at the end of the book, just being like, yeah, I'm fairly certain that this is going to gonna resolve with Dumbledore knew what he was doing. It's got to be um, something right. bigger at play. Well, the whole yeah, thing has always like, been like Dumbledore trusts Snape. So like, you know, Sirius, Remus, like they all trust Snape because Dumbledore trusts Snape and they trust Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. So unless it was like a big blind spot for Dumbledore, like it had to be some kind of he was a triple agent or whatever. So, but it was still shocking well, to no, me. No, Jacob, it it can't be a blind spot. I mean, you certainly wouldn't name your kid after both of these assholes if it was a big blind spot. <laughs> well, yeah, well, Harry think realizes this guy was going to be good at the end. He gets the explanation yeah. in the end, but um, yeah, I think in the moment it's very shocking, and Harry does not understand, and he's just like. So mad. And then you get that great reveal of like him doing sept- Sectum Semper at a Snape, right? And then Snape's like, you dare use my own spells against me. <laughs> I am the half right. Alan Rickman, <laughs> you're here? <laughs> yeah. So um, good. So good. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this I, plays a lot stronger in the book, Adam. I'd like to know how you feel because we have the last, you know, Dumbledore right after, you know, kill me and saving Harry from the uh, Inferni, which were not set up at all in the movie. 
you know, he's really weakened, and yeah, his last I mean, act is to uh, immobilize Harry to keep him out of harm's way when Draco is coming. So Harry is forced to sit helplessly and yes. watch all this unfold. Under the cloak. Yes, under the cloak. Which he has on for like 50% of the book. <laughs> I guess they didn't yeah. want to do Malfoy this. Malfoy really thing. should have stolen it on the train and used it to sneak around, right? What if like fucking Crippler breaks his discovered yeah. by the cleaning crew, right? Or like, yeah, you yeah, wanted him to go all the way to back to London. Like without but if I knew I had to sneak around and try to get a vanishing cabinet set up, I would yeah. just have. I'll just take it. Yeah, a but uh, so Harry's. I remember from the book. T- oh god, yeah, go I, I was just saying he's helpless in the book, and he he literally wants to totally. do something to protect Dumbledore, but he cannot. Whereas in the movie, he's just like, "You go downstairs and be quiet," and he's like, "Okay." I'll be here. Right. <laughs> and he can't wrap his mind around what, you know, Dumbledore's reasoning for any of this, but, and even the, the phrasing of Dumbledore's like iconic line of like Severus, please. And you don't realize it at the moment, but he's saying, please kill me basically. But it sounds to Harry right. like he's saying, please don't kill me. So it's, I think it's, that whole scene is so good. And I think the movie really? does do it really well, even if it doesn't immobilize Harry. I think Harry would have done something you know, I, I think he would have been too emotional yeah. to not. So the idea that he was immobilized and he has to figure out why Dumbledore, why. But true. There's also, you know, true. the Death Eaters battling Adam. I want to get your take on kind of the ending because I really like the ending in the book, but I didn't love the ending in the movie. That's the the ending is such a cool sweeping, like big chunk of chapters where it's like this is a solid adventure chunk and something that's usually broken up by classes and whatever. It starts with Harry finding out i can't remember exactly what but snape has something to do with voldemort finding his parents and so he runs up to dumbledore's office basically to just chew out dumbledore and be like why how could you trust Mm -hmm. this man and like why did you never tell me this and dumbledore is like hold up we gotta go like i found a horcrux (laughs) i found a horcrux yeah we gotta go to moria together (laughs) and like have this cool (laughs) creepy adventure um right uh and and that part in the books is amazing. I thought the the movie when I saw it, I was like, this looks really good. Like this looks like what I want it to look like, but it's very abridged. Yeah, and just like everything in the movies. Mm-hmm. But like the shot when they just show up on that rock and there's the waves all around them. It's so cool. Looking. Hell yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a pretty. It's a it's a pretty like uh, space. But yeah, the the ending. I remember seeing it in the theater for the first time, being like, ah, oh, the performances are pretty good here. Like. I like watching it. I like the setup, um, but it does like it really is the terror of reading it in the book is Harry being paralyzed and not being able to see anything while there's like the dark mark is already out. He's hearing like fighting in the school. There's a werewolf who bites children mm-hmm. right. <laughs> like Which, running around in the school. Speaking like, of, yeah. so he is in this movie. We're talking about Fenrir Greyback yep. who doesn't get explained in this movie but he's actually so he's one of the bad werewolves i was talking about he's actually the one who turned lupin Mm -hmm. um, which does get explained i think in the next book um but he's the leader of these these bad werewolves that's now you know in cahoots with voldemort and he's just he loves to turn people specifically children work on he really likes to attack children i think it's explained in the book (laughs) pretty messed up hey to my book boys do they ever say the word vampire in any of these yes indeed yeah in this very really there's a vampire at slughorn's party in this one and he's very uninterested in the party he's like yeah he looks bored (laughs) and vampire-y yeah oh i didn't know that if i was in these worlds i think i'd be a vampire (laughs) yeah yeah so there's definitely vampires out here he like he like like someone scolds a vampire at some point because they're like looking at you know someone's neck or something. It's like oh, oh, stop it. no no no. <laughs> yeah, 
But I just wish uh, Grayback, I mean, I think he does get explained in the next movie, maybe, because he is okay. a bigger part of it. But he's he's in this movie, but he's never named, I don't think. But he's the guy. Uh, Jacob, like, they get credited in order of appearance. He's the third person build. <laughs> so when I was right. watching it at the end, I was like, but he's not in the movie. Because he's, he's the guy poster. that goes and abducts Ollivander in mm-hmm. the beginning. Um, uh, yeah, but they don't explain he's the one that turned Lupin, blah, blah, blah. There's, you know... Interesting stuff. but Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what made me sad about the Burrow is because they moved this action scene with the Death Eaters to the middle of the movie. It didn't happen in the book. And then you don't get And the Burrow's supposed to be safe. Like, I'm so, I was charms, just so confused right? as, like, what's happening? Like, that was... Having just read the book, I was like, whoa, whoa what's going on? Yeah, here? Bellatrix like, very easily <laughs> lights the whole house on fire. But then, coincidentally, everyone that was in the house is now outside of the house. Um, so no one was really hurt, but their whole house was destroyed. And then the next scene is literally them back at Hogwarts and it's Ron and Lavender stuff. And it's like, Ron, didn't your whole so house just burn down? Like, you don't have any response to that? <laughs> yeah. And, and you, you learn in the book, like, how seriously they're taking security. They're explaining that there's these charms on the house to protect it. They're like, you know, um, Arthur comes home from work and she, he's like, you can't open the door yet, Molly. You haven't tested me well enough. I could be a death right. eater, you know, and they're being really careful. Or in the movie, it's like. There's no security here. I guess. Totally. Th- were they just trying to like build some chemistry between Harry and Ginny? Because I do feel like that's oh, probably yeah. the su- what suffers most from casting like these as children is like there's not chemistry there. They don't spend any time to make Ginny cool. Like totally. Ginny's a seeker. She's oh like, my god. She's supposed to be this is neat. Adam, Adam, this is my complaint. Adam, Adam, with Adam, hold on. Movie uh, sense, Jacob, I gotta like, say this line. Yeah. When there's the Hermione line where she says, Harry, I know how you look at Ginny. When I see those eyes that you're like <laughs> lusting after her, I was like, girl, you've been watching a different movie then because I ain't seen none of that. <laughs> right. Well, this has been my huge complaint with the movies, especially in five, where um, it's supposed to be starting to set up that Ginny is like this really cool independent character. In this one, they're kind of like, oh, she's she just dates around. She's dating Dean Thomas now. And it's like... Okay, you're just making Jacob, her like... how is she on the Quidditch team? She's like Harry's right-hand man on the Quidditch team. Yeah, she was on the... It was, well, it was a that's big because deal that Ron was on it, and we skipped all that. Yeah, in the fifth one, there's no Quidditch, which Ron becomes... You know, he's on the Quidditch team, and then this one, he's retrying out, and Harry even says, like, just because you're on the team last year doesn't guarantee you a spot, and he's got this whole thing with McLaggen and everything. Um, but yeah, Ginny's been on the team, Um and now Ron's on the team. I do like that we saw some Quidditch this time, and it was probably the best Quidditch action it that I've seen great. in movies, right? This is the best sport like Quidditch, like action for sure. Yeah, but, just know, the way it's shot. Yeah, yeah, the, the direction of it is fine. But yeah, we Harry's the captain for no reason, which in the book we learn that it's because someone graduated ahead of him. Well, yeah, Oliver Wood graduated a few years ago, but they show, I mean, they show so little Quidditch because it's just the barest bones of it. Um but back to Ginny, I think she does get a little more characterization in this, but obviously they still don't have a lot of chemistry. There's the one weird scene in no. the burrow where she like ties a shoe and then Oh my god. If Joe was <laughs> here, he would talk about it the first time mm-hmm. he saw that in the theaters that he burst out laughing. But guys, <laughs> so if you're at that table in the hall and you're about to go play, and there's like plain motherfucking Jenny sitting at that table, just kind of like pushing around her cereal, looking all plain. And then there's Luna Lovegood in the right. big lion head, and she's yeah, talking Luna's to people cool. and having fun. I'd be like, go talk to Luna, you fucking idiot. I oh, thought, yeah. okay, I'm yeah. glad I'm not crazy because I feel like Harry, even in this one, has more chemistry with Luna than Cho in the last one or with Jenny at all. So 
She's got a stronger character to play, and the, the actor is more comfortable playing. Yes. It, yeah. Sure. Like, She's a good gay madam. You're right. Yeah, but it yeah. feels like she kind of, because her mother has ha- tragically died, she has a little bit more connection to stuff that Harry does, like when they're connecting over the Thestrals. But, totally. You know, she and they is, have more one-on-one scenes. Yeah. Like Ginny, yeah. before this movie, Ginny barely has any lines in the fifth one, which I still am just amazed by. And then in this one, she is becoming more of a character. And I do like the Burrow fight scene because it shows her actually it, doing stuff. And then even... Okay, I also, yeah, Jacob, l- well, yeah. let me show you her character. Mom, Dad, Harry's here. Mom, right. Dad, it's Harry's bag. I think Harry's here. <laughs> Ron, did you see Harry's here? It's like, cool. Fucking awesome. <laughs> right. And in that, the books, that, it's... Scene. It's definitely developed more over time. Like, of course, she's first, she has this huge crush on him when she's a little girl in the second one. And then over time, she comes into her, her own self as a, as a person and just ha- is just more of a friend to Harry. And then over time, and she's actually almost like she's as good of a wizard as like any of the kids in the books. Like she's her she's her own independent person. Right? Well, yeah, she's in the D.A. and you get one line. Nice, Ginny. I guess that establishes their whole relationship when he gives her <laughs> one compliment. <laughs> Um, it yeah. is. Yeah, it's like it's a little bit hard to devote time to because in the book it's basically Harry hanging out with the Weasleys so much and she's cool and like they joke around and then throughout the course of this book he's always like oh Ron and Hermione are gone doing prefect things like maybe I'll get to hang out with Ginny and she's constantly right. like sorry no I'm actually I have friends like, yeah she has like, her own friends you're the one who doesn't have friends in like, this I'm one cool. she's just like oh you know she's the background character and even Fred and George she's like a ghost Jacob <laughs> Fred and George the Weasley siblings actually get their own characterization she never really does um, but I do like one moment in this where he needs to get rid of the, the Half-Blood Prince book, right? And it's her that's saying, like, let's go get rid of this because that's a flashback to Chamber of Secrets. She had a yes. book that was telling her to do bad stuff too, right? So she's kind of been through that. So I like that. Yeah, moment. we've all been there. A book that tells you to do bad stuff. <laughs> the Tom Riddle book. Of course. Book. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess J.K. Rowling is better at going and retconning her horcruxes than her crushes. That's uh, not the best work I've ever done, but neither for her on this Ginny relationship. Yeah. yeah, um, Totally. And I think um, it their relationship does make more sense in the books. In here, it just kind of comes out of nowhere. And it's like, can you even imagine if you just like started falling in love with your best friend's little sister? Like how, like, Oh, that would just be so And then, weird. Jacob, if I was falling in love with them and you came up to me and said, I see the way you look at her, and I'd be like, oh, I, I don't know what way you think I'm looking because it's not true. Yeah, there's a big deal with that in the book, too, where he's worried, like, what if, you know, Ron doesn't approve? Oh, man, what's going to happen? He's kind of struggling with it, you know, so. Right. More, more and I even remember the, the whole Felix Felicia scene in the books. I just remember that being done better where it's like, it's also ties into some of their romance stuff where um, I think he meet, he sees Jenny and says something to her that like, I, am I remembering that incorrectly? I don't know, but I, I can't remember. It does feel, it feels way cooler in the book to me. Uh, you know, you've got, they do have the misdirect, but the reason why it feels important in the book and something they could have fixed with one line is like, he has failed to get this memory and Dumbledore is pretty upset about it. He, Dumbledore has tasked Harry with this and he makes right. it clear that like, what are you doing, man? Like I gave, and he's like, I'm, I have the hardest life in the world. And he's like, you this know, really I, we really need this. This is like, we're trying to defeat Voldemort. And so when he takes that potion, the urgency is so high of like, 
this has to go right. It's like, what do you mean you're going to Hagrid's? Like, right. <laughs> you're, you you so could funny. like curse us all the hell by doing about it. it. But yeah. I think it's yeah, yeah, it's almost described better in the books where it's like he just he's letting the the potion guide Isn't on him. Isn't cocaine? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's just rolling with like the he flow. doesn't seem unnatural to people. He just seems a little more affable. Yeah, you know? right. Like, and I do like how um, Daniel Radcliffe plays that scene in particular. I think he's like. I kind of wish this this Harry was around more often. He's like more likable and like, you know. <laughs> yeah, Adam said earlier, this is the movie he's the dumbest in. Like he truly does come off as a, jo- a jock the most. And I kind of dug it because it's kind of a character that isn't woe is me. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's just like, he's kind of hanging out and like, yeah. what's going on? Like, He's like, I don't know. I don't thing. have all the answers. I don't know. I, I got a free period. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, I'm yeah, just kind of used to a Dumbledore. A like, dumb guy who would just be dribbling in the hallway. They'd say, hey, where are you going, Potter? Uh, to basketball. <laughs> and I do like the scene where uh, he's talking to Hermione about, you know, like Ramilda Vane and all these girls that are in love with him. And she's like, they think you're the chosen one. He's like, well, I am the chosen one. He's just like making <laughs> jokes about it. Like, I want to yeah. see more of that, Harry. Yeah. <laughs> I do yeah. too. As I said in Goblet, yeah, my least favorite thing about the Harry Potter movies is Harry Potter. Um, and it's not <laughs> any better in this, in this one, for just, except for Felix Felicis parts, obviously. But uh, Yeah. And then, of yeah. course, we get the death of Aragog. Did that guy, did that um, make you guys feel emotional at did all? Did he get smaller since the, the earlier movies? It seems like it, but I think maybe <laughs> yeah, it's because he's crumpled up. An old yeah, spider yeah. Age. Also, his moisture. He's. That's also weird. They play that really weird. Like Hagrid is devastated mm-hmm. in the books, you know. Right. And like and Slughorn appears to be pretty suave in the way that he's getting, you know, his poison. It's not like whoops, I knocked your fang off. It's clear <laughs> that he's very good at being a like right. schmoozer and a yeah. pe- that's what his skill is. So it's not like a whoops, it's like, oh Hagrid, like, yeah, these are really remarkable beasts, you know. He like and Hagrid feels consoled. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, yeah they kind of play it for jokes in the movie. Yeah. And then yeah, even yeah. Harry's like, oh the pincers, you know. And it's like, yeah. oh, <laughs> Harry's like, which again, like, Harry's, Harry's a lot of fun when he's on <laughs> that potion. <laughs> yeah. But it's also like, you know, Hagrid's like really in mourning. Maybe don't like fucking make jokes about his dead spider <laughs> for a second. Mm-hmm. Right, he was feeling well, lucky. Well, uh, <laughs> Hagrid's also just kind of standing there like, yep, he died. <laughs> he was yeah. my friend. <laughs> yeah, that scene is a lot better in the book. You're right. Yeah, because he's smoozing and then uh, Slughorn's giving the speech, you know, oh, king of the arachnids, you know, and he's like doing a good job at like getting the goodwill before he sneaks some of that uh, antidote. And then they're like, we should go get drunk now, you know. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. I think the whole Felix Felices in the books, especially, I think it's really well well done. Um, in the movies, it's more abbreviated, but I think it still works. One of the How most did you fun know chapters. to put that rock, the bezoar, in his mouth? Uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> right? <laughs> Just got lucky. But uh, we, we don't have the fish story, the fish that Lily gave Slughorn in the in the book that he tells. Oh, that's right. That was, and that's I really like that in the movie. Um, that was like a little nice detail that they added. And then it's like, yeah, it's, oh, your mother did that. Yeah. I remember when she died, the fish disappeared. You know, oh. so damn. Terrible. Maybe it was the fish's sacrifice that was <laughs> keeping Harry alive. The old <laughs> magic of this fish. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. We should have really paid more attention to the Mer people who were singing at Dumbledore's funeral. They were saying, "Thank you, fish." Right. <laughs> yeah. We don't see we don't see Dumbledore's funeral get, in the movie. 
Mm-hmm. We just get wands. We just raised. get wands raised as lighters <laughs> really around where he impacted below too. the tower. Yeah, we didn't even. Yeah, in the, in the books, it's a big thing. The centaurs yeah, no, no. come out of the woods, and like, there's all these important wizards there and everything. But and Harry just runs up to the body that, uh, that as far as the teachers are concerned, he has nothing to do with. They just let him mm-hmm. like. <laughs> Yeah. Go on, Harry. Cradle, cradle the dead man. <laughs> yeah, the funeral of Dumbledore is a big miss in the movie, I think, too, because it's like a bright, sunny day. Half of the wizarding world is there to pay their respects, and Harry's forced to really reflect on, like, everybody's been doing everything for me my my whole life, and now yeah. I have to do something for myself. Like, I don't have help right, anymore. because that is when he makes the choice, Mike, to say... I have grown beyond this place. I totally. no more help can come from here. I need to be self-sufficient. Uh, um, you know, the final shot in this one, it's another it's kind of <laughs> continues our trend of sweeping shot, you know, up to the skyline of the castle where we're just kind of it's a new day, there's new possibility. Um, I this movie really does not capture the tragedy of what has just happened mixed with the uncertainty of the future. It really no, tries to yeah. cap it on, and we did it, gang. And it's like, <laughs> you did what? You did nothing. Well, An old man died in front of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think really the movie should have ended on Dumbledore's funeral. And then in the books, Harry's feeling all these emotions where he's like kind of realizing that he's not coming back here next year. This is kind of the end of his school life. Um, he breaks up with Jenny. Yeah, he's yeah, Spider-Man like, 2 moment. Wow. Yeah, he's like, you know, I'm, wow. it's too dangerous to be with me right now, even though we just got together. And um, yeah, and then, you know, next book is... And you're the only on the thing run. that's ever really made me happy, uh, which you could not have pulled off in this film. That's no. right. <laughs> Adam, can you imagine if they had said anything like that? I would have been like, okay, let's go ahead and turn this movie Look, off. Look, his shoes have been untied for six years. Okay. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Mike. Um, we, you know, to make if, eye contact as you're going down to tie the shoe, I'll never be able to get over it, Mike. It, it's it's like, it's like, oh my, I, I wouldn't even want a girlfriend to do that to me now. <laughs> like, What's no, very, stop. Yeah. We're outside. There are people here. Look, wizards have different customs than we do. I'm not going to judge. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and tying the shoelace of, of a... A mixed blood wizard muggle, being muggle, muggle born, shoes. right? It's a big. Maybe deal. It's, it's something her dad taught her how to oh my do, God. and oh my so God, she thinks guys, it's romantic because it's like I know how these this. work. This is something Arthur don't muggles love it when I <laughs> muggles this. love it when you tie their shoes. It's very my romantic. My father told me this is how you propose. <laughs> nope. He saw like a parent tying the child's shoe, and it's like, oh, this is a show of caring amongst muggles. Yeah, you know? <laughs> love, right? But yeah, in the book, you get like the real. I'm going alone. Sure you are, Mr. Frodo. I'm coming with you because he tells his friends, I'm not totally. coming back. And they're like, wherever you're going, we're going too. like, if you're not coming to the but school. Dumbledore has also throughout the book been like, tell those two everything. That's fine. We trust them. those. Those two are the ones like these are your only like th- these are the only people it's safe to trust. And so, yeah. So that's instead not of him just being like, oh, OK, it's like, well, I guess that is what Dumbledore wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, you guys to come kick it it's more of a down the adventure the that i know i'm on specifically like i <laughs> instead of it like at the end of this it's like i guess i'm 
kind of do this in the book it's I, like I very clearly know. i have to find the horcruxes adam yeah, i wouldn't I remember. know what to do it would be like getting a will from your grandfather that says avenge me and you're like i don't even know how he died <laughs> <laughs> like where do i start here well in the book too yeah it is kind of this cliffhanger where he's not left with much he's got the fake locket and he's got rab right and that was the big cliffhanger in the books who is rab what is harry going to do next he's kind of at a dead end and i think some of the, you know, online, I think they did figure it out that like RAB is probably Regulus Black, right? Right. But Slug when it first came out, about Regulus as well in this. Book. Yeah, you get a little hint at it, yeah. and in the last one, when they're at Grimald Place, they kind of go into it with uh, the family tree and everything, which gets cut out of the movie a little bit. But um, yeah, it's a big mystery that leads into the next one, and um, yeah, I think it's good. I mean, he is left with, you know, a couple more clues of the types of objects that Voldemort would have collected for Horcruxes. But yeah, it's like, what do I do? And it is like this heavy weight of the task before me just about to begin. I want to ask, I'll start with Adam, you know, in Order of the Phoenix, JK breaks our heart by having Sirius die um, without knowing that he had the mirror to talk to Harry easily, right? And then in this one, we have Dumbledore go through so much pain and then die for a fake horcrux. Did she do us too dirty? Right. Twice in a row. <laughs> I I mean at least in the book like Dumbledore knows that it's fake too, right? Like Did he, he doesn't die not knowing it's fake. I, think, I don't know if yeah, he after they get into it. it. My recall of the memory of it is when they go on the last adventure, he has like a blackened claw of a hand mm-hmm. and they say what has happened to you professor? Well, he we has that all year. That he yeah. has tried on that ring. Oh, that's right. He yes. destroyed the that ring, year. which was a horcrux, right? Yes. And it just, yeah. but he, his, his hubris hand. was, let me see if I can use it. He forgot we'll to take it off a, his hand before he hit it on the anvil. <laughs> 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 Again, I think right. it's showing that, like, Whoops. even Dumbledore, the most powerful wizard ever, is like struggling to like defeat these things. So it's like. Really, for Harry, it's like, well, if Dumbledore can't do it, what chance do I have? I'm just a kid. You're you know? fucked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, so, uh, kind of the to f- answer the yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say, no, I don't think she she did us too dirty. Uh, well, I think the I futility like that yeah. Harry feels is kind of the point at this point, where he's just so yeah. low. All of his older mentors have been killed off one at a time, and he's just feeling like he's completely lost. He has nowhere to go from here. No idea where all the other six or whatever Horcruxes are. And he's just he doesn't know what to do. Just at least let the locket have been a horcrux that they got together. Like, don't let it be like, <laughs> yeah. and he died the in mission vain. mission was a success. Yeah, right. it's, just, it's heartbreaking, but I guess that's the point. But that yeah, makes great storytelling. Uh, it's throwback to uh, World War II uh, Britain, you know? Mm. Like, oh man, we're, <laughs> we're literally all, your loved ones are dying and we will not stop. And yeah. it's like oh, yeah. the tone of it forward. And it's you're like, right, Adam, I think everything's look, awful. As Americans... Yeah. You know, we really can't understand what that was like because, but being on in Europe, like, and you don't realize, like, if you haven't been to Europe, maybe like how close these countries are in Europe where like England, you could travel from Germany to England in like a couple hours, basically. America is just such a big area wise that we can't really kind of comprehend mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. As, as suburban uh, kid from the nineties. Yeah. I can't, can't relate <laughs> to the terror. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But it was nice as a kid growing up uh, reading these. It was always nice to be like, you know, to have your 
your protagonist be someone who has the worst obstacles you can imagine. Like it was nice. It was such a bummer to leave like the magical world and return to real life when you were done with a book. But it was also like, at least I'm not in that nightmare. Like mm-hmm. the, like the benefit is, is like, Oh yeah. You know, my life is easy. Right. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not in danger of m- magic murder. And neither yeah, this one's around. in 1997. Is yeah, when this takes place. All the now. yeah, all the books Hitler take place in the nineties. <laughs> I was a baby. Um, this is the <laughs> lowest point probably in Harry's life and in the wizarding world in general. Things seem bleak. We got one more book, two more movies to wrap things up. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we should hit the wrap up now. Ooh, perfectly call. put here, Jacob. <laughs> all right, so my book is done. We got this potion brewing. We'll try it right after the break here. Talking more Half-Blood Prince, Harry Potter, here on Normies Like Us. What's it? Sepal, se- what's that spell? Se- septum, septum, se- <laughs> wait, what did I just, I have Slice septum slicey simpra. slicer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, septum sempra. Which they actually like use uh, it in the DA meeting and the, or like they use it anachronistically. Like somebody uses it in oh, the DA. Really? Oh, is that true? They say it or some shit. Yeah. Septum sempra. No, no, no. The ankle lifting one. Oh, oh Leva Corpus they use in the DA, which he didn't Leva learn. Corpus. It's in the book. He picks somebody up by the ankle. Who are you guys? Well, that's well, the in spell the DA, that they're James learning... used to pick up Snape to bully him. Right. But in, uh, in the DA, they're learning more advanced spells than like Umbridge is teaching them, right? So they're kind of going beyond what they sh- right. should be but, learning at that But in the books, level. he learns Leva Corpus from the Half-Blood Prince's notes, is all I'm saying. So he didn't have oh, that okay. book in the Order of the Phoenix. But who cares? Yeah, that this, nerd stuff pushes up the glasses. The movie is just Sectum Sempra. Which, Which is I guess, a brutal um, spell. Yeah, and I guess students could just make up their own spells. I guess because that's a spell that Snape like invented. Yeah, let's just let's that's talk. Very... We talked about it at the first one. They were inventing a spell to make scabbards yellow. I don't know what the <laughs> rules are. Nobody knows what the rules I are. I mean, clearly, uh, it's incredible how much time Harry wastes doing things when he could otherwise be making up magic. Or right. studying oh. or knowing about his world at yeah, all. Yeah, I never Not understood. Drifting through it. Him him wanting to blow off school. It's like you're learning about magic, something you didn't know existed yeah. until you were th- like 13. Like, why are you not like more interested in this? But, you know, school uh, is cool. It's right. a good question. And it's a great question here that we're posing in class because we're back uh, talking Harry Potter, Half-Blood Prince. We've been hanging out in our potions class. Now we're in defense against dark arts. Jacob just used a deadly spell against me. I'm all cut up. But that's okay because somehow you can just sort of twirl my blood back into my little scars or whatever, even well, if I'm Snape, on the ground. So everything's going to be fine, Snape invented guys. that spell, so he knows the antidote spell, I suppose. Which, can, uh, can I just say, Snape is a half-blood prince, right? What an edgelord where he's like inventing spells and he just writes... For enemies, like yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just imagine Snape like doodling and like I am the half blood. Yeah. I'm gonna prince. make their blood come out of their skin. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which again is another well, thing that kind of led him to. Um, he led him to the dark side of like you know Voldemort's half blood. I'm a half blood. We have so much in common. It's almost like a Kylo. Jacob, he's the Kylo Ren to um, Voldemort's. Very enemy. true, wow. even with the hair. But let me ask you this, Jacob: How the was hair. there never a you know 
not to get too heavy, but like a Dylan Claiborne style shooting. Like, why didn't Snape ever just go like, yeah, I'm the Half-Blood Prince and, you know, I'm wearing all black on Tuesday. Don't show up to the main hall because I'm going <laughs> to fucking just light it up. Yeah. Um, even in the wizarding world, I think there's some things that modern society, like the wizards can't comprehend, like mass shootings and stuff. Like those don't That's exist fair. in the wizarding That's world. That's fair. I'm <laughs> shocked that there isn't one. Right. All right. We're talking uh, our final thoughts here. We're wrapping up Half-Blood Prince. Adam, we're going to throw it to you first. But real quick, because we brought her up a couple times, we've given some compliments to JK. Now it's the part of the podcast where we drag her. Uh, it does come to this moment where we have to say... Trans women are women. Trans people are people. Whatever you want to be. We absolutely agree with that. Uh, we are against her and her crazy thoughts. We are not we TERFs on this we podcast. We don't like TERFs. We don't tolerate TERFs. We don't. Here, here. And Jacob, we brought it up before. Uh, you had said on a previous podcast, Mermaids, a great organization, British uh, organization to give to. But we got a couple others here that Allie, previous guest, gave us as well. Go back and listen to that last podcast where we went through these. She explained uh, if you're looking for medical attention and stuff like that, much more amazing processes. Truly go back and listen to it because it is astounding. But again, it's the time for giving. It's the charitable season of the year. We would just urge you, if you feel like helping out the less fortunate, truly there is no one who needs more than trans people at this moment. Uh, so a couple organizations. The Q card was the the mm -hmm. uh, piece of um, equipment that Allie was talking about before for, for getting uh, medical tests checked out. But otherwise, we recommend the Trevor Project, GLSEN, Human Rights Campaign, GLAD, and Fenway Health as well. Cheers. And uh, if I can shout out houseofgg.org, uh, that's, that's uh, a place based in Arkansas uh, that I like. Excellent. Oh, my so. God. Adam, thank you for bringing uh, organizations to light here. We love that. Yeah, let's all contribute to lessening the amount of evil in the world, shall we, at this uh, Please. time. Yeah. Let's all be Cheers. Order of the Phoenix, not Death Eaters. Yeah, that's yeah. right. We don't need any more dark magic in this world. We're kicking out uh, the he who shall not be named from office. And while that <laughs> happens, let's spread some love and positivity. Absolutely. But Adam, we'll throw it to you now. Final thoughts. It doesn't have to be love and positivity. What do you think about The Half-Blood Prince? A book that, uh, you know, you said you wanted to do this one. You said it was your favorite before. We were very happy and glad to have you on as a guest for this one in particular. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, it was it was awesome to revisit this. I'm glad I reread it because, like I said, I've been saying it's my favorite for years. Uh, upon a reread, uh, probably not my favorite. Um, <laughs> I think I think actually the evidence changed. I, I really liked uh, Seven, which I always liked. I just hated the ending. I felt like the ending was like cheesy and cheap, and also I thought Harry was going to die. Uh, wait, is that an anti-spoiler? Anyway. Dun, dun, dun. That's <laughs> what you were thinking would happen. You'll have to tune in next <laughs> yeah, week to yeah. find out what does happen. That's <laughs> right. But I do like this a lot. I love uh, the adventures in it with Dumbledore. Uh, and so good things about this movie, um, some of the performances, uh, good actors in this, um, and the production value, the characterization of the world, one of the reasons why it's frustrating or was frustrating to me is that imagery did stick in my head. Like this stuff all looks like it's really from a specific place. Um, and for the most part, it looks good. Uh, and then I'd say the, the bad is that this movie doesn't take the chance to further to like deepen relationships with Dumbledore. You lose a lot with Voldemort. Um, 
there are no house elves in the book. There's this great subplot with Dobby and Creature. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty interesting. Um, oh, even and, um, yeah. Speaking of Creature, in the last one, Creature is like the whole re- like Creature lies to Harry, and he's the whole one who tricks him into going to the Ministry, right? So Creature's char- character is a lot cut out a lot in the movies. Sorry, yeah, they use creature. He uses creature to spy on Malfoy uh, against his will at right. some point, which is you know weird. Harry, <laughs> Harry is his master now because Sirius died, and Harry was his god, yeah. godson. Yeah, yeah. That's all all strange. Um, and then the ugly uh, Mike, I saw we had one that was the oh, same, yeah. so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say no, that you now. Well, the the last line in the movie is, I never realized how beautiful this place was as Harry looks at Hogwarts. Like, what? Right. He's been there six years. Looks out across the grounds of Hogwarts. He's oblivious. He's dumb, okay? (laughs) He's too busy thinking about sports, man. Quidditch. That's what ties into the biggest thing for me is just like, wow, Harry really feels stupid in this. um, And in a way that, you know, like he, like I said, he's never the sharpest like wizard around, but this he just seems really aloof and dumb. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I never noticed Agreed. how beautiful my favorite place in the world is. <laughs> the only right. place yeah. I is feel it? like yeah. myself is that my in the books. Or used no? to seeing it from all the it's way not. up top, never on the ground. That's, That's the not reason. in the books. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like you've been there six years. You haven't noticed how you. It's an ancient castle in the Scottish Highlands. You don't. You never noticed how beautiful it was before. Okay, it's not the Dursleys' house, and you've never just been right. like, "This is nice." <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's sad. Um, yeah, I, I think this movie is okay. Um, you know, it's it's all right. Do you recommend the book? All right. Uh, yeah, I recommend all all the books. I think all the books, if you're in the right head for it, are are pretty interesting. They're a fun way to to do car trips, or uh, you know, and they they're big and thick books, but they're for kids. They go by fast. You know, totally. Put it on two times speed if you have to. Yeah. Yeah. Very readable, um, but good world building for sure. I agree with you. Um, for my final thoughts, uh, I will say I seem to be the most high on this movie out of all of us. Um, to me, it was a much better adaptation than four and five, which I was let down by, but could be, I need to go back and reread the books and get more of that subtlety of the books. Um, but for me so far, I think 7.1, seven part one, um, is, is my second favorite, but I had to be, but up to this point, I think this is my second favorite after the third. So eventually this will probably be my third favorite, if that makes sense. So for me, it's Mm -hmm. three, seven part one than this one. But overall, I think this movie actually flowed really well compared to five. Um, Love the cinematography. Some of the acting is really good. And I think um, for my standouts, like Draco in this movie, I thought was just really good. And um, especially in the scene where he confronts Dumbledore, just the acting, Tom Felton does a great job. Um, Dumbledore, of course, Snape, really always nailing it. Alan Rickman and Michael Gambone. Um, for, uh, and also, I also like, you know, uh, Slughorn in the, in the movies. Like, I think they did a good job with, uh, casting Jim Broadbent. Uh, the bad for me is, yeah, a little too much romance. Um, a little too much teen angst stuff when it could be focusing on the bigger plot of, you know, Dumbledore and Harry and, and trying to stop Voldemort. I think that's a little more important um, than Ron's girlfriend, but uh, the ugly, no Rufus Scrim, Scrimger, Scrimgower. 
um, and the verbal spells, but I guess that's more explained in the books. Um, but just the general trend of these movies, how everything kind of boils down to now, like you're shooting different colors of lights out of your wand now, (laughs) where it's like in the (laughs) beginning, there's, it kind of lose some of the creativity of the different spells. Like that's why I like the Dumbledore Voldemort fight at the end of the last one so much, because it's not just Avada Kedavra, Expelliarmus. Like they're doing like, this is the fire snake and the waves and the glass and all that stuff. Like they're doing creative stuff, like real magic. It seems like instead of just flashing stupefy at each other. Um, but overall, I think this movie, better than the last one, um, second favorite so far. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, book reader number two, coming in hot. Um, like Jake was, uh, mm. Jacob was saying with the, the battles, like in the book, quickly, Harry only uses blood spilly spiller because Malfoy is about to say Crucio. So it's like a self-defense mm. act, whereas in the movie, he just does it. Like, yeah, fuck you, dog, you know, so. And doesn't get punished in the movie. Right, and oh, no punishment Well, because Snape is the guy that ro- walks up to him, and that's when Snape might realize that, like, oh, he's got my old potions book, maybe. Well, Snape says in the book, he says, bring me all of your textbooks, you um. motherfucker. I need to know <laughs> if you learned yeah. that from my, you know. So then Harry's panicking, and that's when he goes and hides it um, okay. in the book. Yeah. But, um, Little fine details out of the way. I think I really enjoyed the book because it's teaching us. It is a setup for book seven, but it's teaching us everything we need to know about Voldemort and his history and kind of his um, affinity for these ancient objects. Like they say, a Horcrux can be any little thing. It could be a shoe. It could be a clothespin, whatever. But he specifically wants these powerful, prestigious magic items, whether they're from his past or the past of Hogwarts. I think that's an important right. detail. He wants one from each of the four houses. Exactly. Yeah. And um, that's why he didn't get the defense against Dark Art job, because, you know, Dumbledore thought he just wanted to steal some shit from Gryffindor. You know, he's sneaking in. But um, I think the book is really great. I have probably been the second most disappointed by the movie. I think Chamber of Secrets is really boring. Um, yeah, I just think this takes so many liberties, especially with the burrow attack and the book is just so good in my opinion. I was actually really impressed. I need to listen to seven to know if it's my favorite, but I, I really, really enjoyed this one. Um, and my last note is I was watching Murphy Napier on YouTube. She does good like book reviews and she was saying, um, she likes how Dumbledore is teaching Harry to understand Voldemort, not just like fight him totally. to destroy right. him. Like she wants to understand why he does it. His past, his mother was abused and in turn abused and cast a love potion on a human, you know, and like understanding the circumstances instead of just let's destroy. Right. And, totally. um, and Voldemort's yeah. hatred of muggles kind of comes from his hatred of his muggle father too. So you get right. the psychology of him for sure. Which would have been great to have more of that in the movie. Cause I think it is important. Um, and just my last thing is, uh, Murphy said in her headcanon, she wishes Dumbledore would have apparated Harry and Malfoy away, protected Malfoy's family. And then the three of them would have worked to defeat the dark Lord is like this oh, interesting. trio and Tom Felton would get, you know, redemption arc, which I think that would be really cool if Malfoy realized that his dad was an asshole and kind of came over to the good side. If I, we yeah. had had him as a full character for a yeah. book, Mike, that would have been really interesting. Yeah, yeah. so there's a, a universe where that happened that I just like the thought of it, because Tom Felton does do a great job in this movie with his scenes. Totally. 
And I wanted to add with Voldemort too, something the book goes into, even his name, like he doesn't want to be named Tom Riddle because that was his father's name and he wants nothing to do with that side of his family. So he even changes his name to sound like some kind of crazy dark lord, Voldemort, right? Yeah, exactly. Because his father was the muggle. (laughs) He makes a very convoluted anagram. I am Lord Voldemort. (laughs) The most, the most complicated. (laughs) Very edgelord. Um, I am so into the corner of all the stuff that you just said, Mike. The book, when I read this book as a kid, I think this is the one that really stayed with me the most because it seemed like as you were reading it, it's the one where you just didn't know where it was going the most. Oh, Order of the Phoenix, the bad guys are taking over the school. Oh, Chamber of Secrets, we got to open the Chamber of Secrets. Oh, Philosopher's Stone, we got to find the Philosopher's Stone. But in this one... Even the riddle of who is the Half-Blood Prince, meaning kind of so little to the narrative and yet enriching it all so much the way that, again, she kind of masterfully does, it's good. The reason I don't like this movie, well, I'll say, I'll say one more thing that I do like about it. The same way that in number five in the last episode, where I kept talking about, God, wouldn't it be so cool to have a showdown that isn't a showdown? You know, the way that Voldemort is such a presence in this book, why does he have to come at the end? It kind of doesn't make sense. You get that in this one. Like, this is a standalone adventure, but you also kind of feel them being like, ah, but the brakes are kind of about to hit on this thing, so let's kind of answer every question we can before we get there, too. I kind of wish that this had been the fifth one. Maybe the, the, the fifth and the sixth would have swapped plots, kind of would have worked a little better for me. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Big confession time, guys. Mm. You know, uh, for the first episode where I said I had read all these books, guess what? For the seventh book, I didn't read it. I read the last chapter. Because, again, I was kind of too cool for school by this point. I wasn't one of the kids who was going to scream, Snape killed Dumbledore. (laughs) Jacob, I just wanted it to be over. I just wanted to pull the Band-Aid off. You didn't want to know who R.A.B. was? It truly could not matter less. <laughs> uh, so I, the promise I'm going to try to make listeners, I'm going to try to do what you guys have done. I'm going to try to read this next one before we do the next record. Because I would be very curious to finally put a cap in that chapter of my life. I am too looking forward to actually being able to check this off of my uh, achievements. You yeah. know, achievement unlocked, you know, read all Harry Potter books. Right. And luckily for next <laughs> week, you only have to listen to half of it. You know, because yeah, like true. That's true too, too, Mike. Yeah, I'll get ahead on it. Yeah, because we are obviously doing two episodes on the two-part finale. We've got an awesome guest lined up next week. Adam, yeah. you've been the fucking best on this one. If there's anything you want to plug outside of Twitch TV, Elegant Weapon is your uh, profile. Follow him on there. He does really cool Twitch stuff, guys. Maybe he'll play a Harry Potter game down the road. You know, one day that cool new Harry Potter game will be released, and maybe we'll all check you out on that one, dude. Yeah, that would be. I'm excited to play that. Um, uh, sad to fatten pockets of people yeah. I don't agree with, but yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. probably will play play that game. We're all um, also, with that. Uh, you could check out YouTube Elegant Weapon uh, Shadows of the Empire. Will bring you to my channel. I think um, I am currently working to revive a a uh, a fan fiction I wrote when I was 11. And I'm going to be animating that. Oh, incredible. Oh, so, oh we will <laughs> be Star checking Wars fan that fiction. out. Yeah, that sounds For awesome. sure. We'll put the but, link uh, on yeah, the Thank you, guys. There. 
thanks so much for having me on. It's been awesome to listen to you guys. It's Always been a, a, a joy to dive back in. Um, we'll have you back. Be, you know, you, we, we you were talking fantasy at the top of this and what your life plot is. We've kind of been pitching off pod, but guys, if this podcast survives another year when we get to this sort of long, drawn out genre miniseries season that we do in the winter months, maybe Lord of the Rings, baby. I'll announce that right now. Maybe uh-huh. you'll Lord be back November, talking Lord Rings of the Rings. December, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shh, quiet, Mike. That's gold. <laughs> oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Keep it secret. Keep it secret. Well, Adam, always a pleasure to have you on. Thank yeah, you so man. much. Always a true joy to be here. I am uh, looking forward to listening to you guys wrap this series up um, and also looking forward to experiencing those movies for the first time. Uh, well, this yeah. is a perfect time then. I'm going to go ahead and have to use a memory charm on you <laughs> so that you can listen to this fresh and listen to those fresh and see that movie fresh. So let's go ahead and pow. All right. You are gone here. Oh, no. Don't so even I know mean, the words. Hit me, Jacob. <laughs> Welcome to this podcast. I mean, yeah. what? So, yeah, I mean, huh? I guess the thing about The Last Jedi is really that for... <laughs> That's 2017, Last Jedi Discord. <laughs> yeah, get ready, everybody. You blew them all the way back to 2019. Um, We've been loving it. Thank you guys all so much for listening and following along. Before we down our little potion here, as always, check us out at normies underscore like underscore us on social media. You can, you know, reach out. You can say, hey, uh, we're loving these. Or you can say, hey, we're not loving these. We had a great guest reach out uh, or listener reach out in the past couple episodes. Shout out to Chris again. Thank you, Chris. And uh, thank you, buddy. And thank you for everybody else listening along. Let us know what you want us to recover after we're done with these movies, because we will be done with them at one point. We promise you that. (laughs) So when we get back to our normal schedule, let us know what you want us to cover on Normies Like Us. But uh, as always, we've been your hosts. This is Professor Slug Colin. I too want to be the listen at home version of Slug <laughs> Colin. Should have done it south, Mike. You're right, y'all. We've been loving you on this podcast, y'all. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is the half cob prince. Uh, this is Adamus a Dumbledore. Ooh. The half cob killed the Adamus Dumbledore. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> All right. Oblivion. Thanks, Normies. Normies. Bye. Bye. Bye bye. Oh, hell yeah. This is Aquaman, and if you enjoyed that episode, I'd really appreciate it if you give it a like, share, and subscribe on iTunes, and you'd really be one of my man if you share with a friend. We'll be seeing you around.